Maybe it is Sonic music. Hmm. Now I'm all mixed up. Podcast about video games by the Nintendo fans at NegativeWorld.org. This is episode 44, and we are recording this on Sunday, February 17th, 2013. I'm your host, as always, Stephen, or as I'm known on the boards, Dr. Finkelstein. And with me is my most excellent co-host. Hey, this is Joe, and on the boards, people call me Insage. That they do. So, it's just going to be a two-man podcast this week, and the main focus we're going to have is uh, talking about a lot of cool stuff that we've been playing. And then going into yet another Nintendo Direct conversation, but we won't be dissecting it in the manner that we did before. We're going to just kind of pick some favorite announcements or references, etc., and just see where that leads us. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that very brief introduction, uh, Joe, what have you been playing, sir? Well, I've been playing a couple of different things. Uh, first and foremost, I'll just get out of the way of the obligatory statement that I am still playing Pokemon. And uh, there's one new wrinkle this time, which is that uh, there is a Pokemon League that me and a bunch of other people are running over on the Bulba Garden forums. So I may post a link in the Negative World Pokemon Society thread and just, you know, encourage people to challenge the League for fun, because fun is good. So What, um, what is the Bulba Gardens, anyway? Oh, uh, well, have you heard of Bulbapedia? Yeah, and actually I almost wrote that in the in the notes. <laughs> right, so... It's funny that people don't really know about the garden. So Bulbapedia is is like an offshoot of Bulba Garden, which is a forum. Okay. So it's the so same Bulba- exact website. Okay. Bulbapedia is the wiki f- form of it, almost. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know they had forums. Yeah, and a lot of people don't. Which is kind of funny. Well, so. they do, everyone. And and while Negative World is the ultimate forum for you to go to, of course, um, if you want Pokemon specific content all all the time i'm sure that this is a, a great yeah. place to go well and that's the thing it actually is a pretty decent community a lot of internet communities kind of suck mm-hmm. but um these guys are pretty good and they're they, and they're very big which is it's surprising really comforting to know that there's one other community <laughs> out there that doesn't suck exactly exactly so anyway um but as far as games that uh i haven't talked about extensively uh since our last recording, I have started playing Professor Layton and the Miracle Mask. Nice. Um, yeah, this is uh, what I believe the fifth game in the series. Yeah, I believe so. And you know, I gotta say, uh, I am really, really, really impressed with this freaking game. Um, I, I, I guess because it is the fifth in the series, that by the time it came out, people were just too. They were just too prepared to sort of not write it off, but not be as impressed because it was just like, oh, here's another Layton game. But uh, they really made a lot. They really, I think, nailed it in terms of they made a bunch of changes, but without actually sacrificing what makes the, what made the original games great. Um, so with this game, for the first time, you know, everything is 3D renders, uh, you know, polygons instead of just... Uh, flat 2D cartoon. So it is 
it's not like um, 2D layers in 3D, but it's actually 3D. Correct. Oh, wow. So Layton's fully dimensional. Yeah, which, I mean, even when I first heard that, I was very skeptical because I love hand-drawn art and I I love just, you know, 2D um, sprites in games. Uh, So I wasn't really super psyched for this leap to uh, polygons. But the thing is, uh, so the environments, you sort of look around them and you maybe only have... 15 degrees of uh, leeway in looking in any one direction. But because of that, like the entire world that you're looking into, you know, it has depth. And we've talked before about how the 3DS, a lot of it is kind of like looking into a diorama. Mm-hmm. So that's the effect you get. But uh, I don't know. They just, they really did such an excellent job because when you're sort of scrolling around, more than other games I've played, you really get a sense of three-dimensionality, if that's a word. Right, um, I get you. And but what's really impressive is it still looks exactly like the vibe of previous Layton games. Like, it's not just that they said, okay, we're going to, you know, build these 3D environments and it's a Layton game, so we'll just hope the two come together. It's really like they exactly took what would have been the normal 2D drawings and just sort of draped them on three-dimensional models. Right. So it just looks exactly like you were playing one of the previous games, but now you get that sort of extra depth. Um, beyond this, it, like a lot of times people say, okay, the 3DS, like, all right, yeah, that's cool that it does 3D, but it's kind of a gimmick because you can never actually have any meaningful gameplay from it. In this game, there are a couple of puzzles that the 3D actually, I'm not even going to say that it helps so much as it's almost a necessity. Um, so for instance, there'll be a puzzle where like, uh, you know, the, the past games have had things where like it's a big tangled mess of threads and you have to kind of figure out like where does this thread go. Right, and you can easily like follow the line if you like were to trace it with the stylus kind of. Right. So in this game, they'll have a puzzle similar to that, but those different threads will be on different layers of the the 3D effect. So you actually kind of, you know, are able to use it in a very practical way. And I just thought that that was really cool. And I think because of that, they are more complicated than in past games, you know, puzzles like that, because they sort of rely on you using the 3D effect. Um, But I just thought that that was really cool. Uh, You know, a game that that actually was able to make practical, gamey use out of the 3D effect. Uh, And the fact that they were just able to pull this whole game into the third dimension and and make it so uh, smooth a transition. Is is it essential then to play with 3D on? Would you say in like... And and then more than just one or two instances. Uh, well, really, only for yeah. I mean, I'd say maybe I'd say maybe five percent of the puzzles I've done so far, and I think I've done about thirty-ish puzzles already. So you know, a fair amount. I mean, not not all of them by any means, but uh, but yeah, a fair amount. And you know, the cutscenes, the anime cutscenes with the three D. I mean, they look phenomenal, but that's a you know, that's a purely visual thing that's not a gameplay thing that was going to be my next question actually because i'm looking at the trailer right now and there still seems to be a lot of cinematics and oh, yeah. they all look the same as far as the style that i'm used to but mm-hmm. uh, i wasn't sure if they really were in 3d or not which would be pretty cool and almost maybe begs for a 3d uh 
Layton movie that, mm. you know, downloaded to your system or something. Yeah, I mean, I had the same experience with, um, cause the cutscenes in Rhythm Thief are, of course, in a very mm, simple correct, style. Yeah. And those were really enjoyable in the 3D, and this is no different. So, uh, yeah, just, just an extremely good job, and, and one that I just feel overall is very refreshing for a fifth game in a franchise because you don't expect to get such new things, such a new experience without like really radical changes. Um, so yeah, I feel this is a really good example of, of fixing what isn't broken and not breaking it in the process. Hmm. So a, a major success for, yeah. Uh, and I'm not even that far into it really. So I don't know how many hours, but like I said, I'm about 30 puzzles in. So, yep. So it's, it's in your opinion, it's worth the, uh, 40, you know, MSRP? Yes, absolutely. I actually, because of all this, I thought to myself the other day, I'm like, I'm glad I bought this at full price simply because I feel like this is the kind of game that deserves that, that support, you know, that they deserve all $40 mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to some games, you know, you get them when they drop to 20 and you feel like, okay, this was the right price for the, for the value. But, um, yeah. So, uh, aside from that, uh, I played a game. This is a DSiWare game. It's called Escapee Go. And it's from 2009. And the reason I even discovered it is because I was listening to the Nintendo Joe podcast called The Heartcast, which I like very much. And one of the hosts on that show recommended it. They'd been playing it. And you described it as kind of a stealth game. And I'm always on the lookout for more stealth experiences. Uh, and like, it, it's like, kind of like Metal Gear Solid stealth or. Well, Tom Clancy, or that's what I think of. I think of like Metal Gear Solid and and Tenchu primarily when I think of stealth games. But uh, this is this is not like that really in any way, because um, th- there's no you don't attack at all. It's purely escaping. So and it's the like stealth- uh, the what is it the um, the castle courtyard section of Ocarina of Time in a whole game. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, now the. the so I was actually looking forward to something more like that, as you described, sort of watching patterns of guards moving around and then planning, you know, okay, then you make that mad dash to the next sort of safe spot. Um, unfortunately, the game isn't really anything like that. <laughs> I thought it was from the trailer, but, uh, and it's only $2, so whatever. It's not like I, I had a major investment to find this out, but really the title of the game actually tells you everything you need to know because it is just it is sort of a mad dash it's it's plays more like pac-man in a sense right yeah i'm looking at it right now and i can see that yeah well i didn't (laughs) Uh, (laughs) well i can see where from the start you would think i mean if these guys are are running after you it's just because they saw you but it does look like you maybe it's almost like tag you know you have like a five second head start and then people start trying to hone in on your uh, position yep and that can be cool. I mean, you said it was two bucks. That seems like an an easy price point for a game like this. Yeah, and I don't know offhand how many levels there were, but I would say maybe like fifteen, something like that. So really, Fair for enough. two bucks, it was a good value. And I think it is done rather well. Like uh, they try to, you know, put some some. I hesitate to even say story because they don't really go anywhere with it, but it's draped. The whole game play is draped in some sense of a of a narrative. You know, there's there's a little more going on here. I mean, 
like halfway through the game, you get to the character's apartment and she like changes clothes and stuff. I mean, that's the sort of thing that is just totally unnecessary, mm-hmm. but they do to sort of just flesh out these characters, you know, try to give it some sort of depth, I guess. Do we have to have a discussion about objectification of women in pixel? No. Uh, like, she's like 20 pixels big. <laughs> she is like so that. I don't know what they could do, but... No, you don't see her changing. I see, okay. Neither of her outfits is revealing in any way, so... It just has some, some sort of plot device to, like, well, look well, different, pri- or... Well, primarily, it was you were trying to get to your apartment, um, and I guess this was just something they felt would happen there, but... <laughs> the game, well, the game opens, you escape from this, like... Insane asylum? Something like that. You don't really know. So, you're in the sort of traditional patient garb, and then, you know, she goes home and puts on her... Oh, clothes. normal clothes, okay. So, um, yeah. But, um, yeah, so, you know, it it plays more like Pac-Man than, than I was expecting, because there is... It, it really just, as you said, you get, like, a bit of a head start, and then you just have to go. And if you stay in one place too long, eventually you'll get found. Um, and one thing that the... Um, other podcast told me ahead of time is an interesting fact that unlike other stealth games where if you get seen and then you kind of duck behind a bush they kind of forget about you in this if you get seen they're just coming after you until the algorithm runs out of places to look if that makes sense so so you are hunted as soon as they see you and then you have to instead of just ducking behind one bush and waiting you would have to like make three turns and then hope that they don't make those same three turns in order right. to get up. <clears throat> See if you could, you know, logically escape mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, outsmart them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the gameplay doesn't change throughout the game, but there are several different environments, which kind of makes it feel a little different. And as you go along, there are more enemies, uh, more enemy types. So some of them will have like a net that they can fire down an entire corridor. And, you know, if it hits you, you have to, like, struggle out of this net for a few seconds, and obviously that's a problem. Um, you also, throughout the game, get these, like, psychic powers. Yeah. So obviously there's something up with your character from the from the get-go. Um, but you get these powers where, like, uh, one of them, like, just randomly warps you to a different part of the stage. So that's helpful if you were, like, in a situation where you know you're cornered and you're about to get caught. You can use this warp to safety. Um, other powers involve stunning the people around you. Um, some of them make you run at twice your normal speed or run at infinite stamina because your your dash button does deplete a stamina bar. Um, so there's just little power-ups like that. And eventually in the game you come across, and this isn't really a spoiler, I don't think, because it's in the trailer and stuff, but there's like this this other woman with psychic powers and she's kind of like the, uh, you know, if she crosses your path, you're really in trouble. So you really have to avoid her. Ooh, okay, so she's like a super enemy. Yep, exactly. And there's just one of her in each stage. Well, later on in the game, in each stage. So, so two questions for you then. First, what is the general premise of each level? Is it to get to a goal through a maze, or is it to outlast? Uh, good question. Um, it's to get to a goal, and they really don't change things up in the sense that every stage has like one object that you need that either unlocks a door on the way to that goal, or uh, like flips a switch that will lower a barrier or something like that. So basically it involves tagging one thing and then heading to an exit. And that's every stage that doesn't change. Okay. Um, yeah. And then uh, my <laughs> second question, I kind of forgot. <laughs> um, okay. But I thought of something different. So, um, 
I see that in the trailer, you can see the level outline. However, mm-hmm. you have a certain window of actual visibility, and and things open up, pathways kind of are revealed to you, but then, you know, the enemies can be waiting around those corners, and, you know, you won't see them until the last second. How how does that work exactly, and how does that affect your enjoyment of the game? Would you rather have been able to see everything first? Another excellent question, Stephen. Thank you. Um, no, that's very important. Uh, yeah, so basically as you you know reach say an intersection between two paths then you can see in both directions you know an infinite amount you know to the edge of the screen um but then as as soon as you duck down a corridor now you lose sight you know just like you would if you were playing in first person right uh and if you when you reach sort of the edge of a corner it gives you it grants you the sight down that corridor as if you were able to sort of peek around which makes sense that's what you would do you know mm-hmm. Um, and then in addition, there's sort of this circle of audio, uh, information. So you can, you'll see people on the map that you would otherwise be able to hear if they were close enough to you. Um, and the thing is, again, sort of realistically, if you stop moving, that circle in which you can hear gets bigger. So if you just sort of sit and wait for a second, that circle gets bigger and then you can hear, okay, two corridors over, there's a guy and he's making, you know, a left turn. So I should be aware of that. Um, but then as soon as you start moving, especially when you start running, that circle shrinks. Sure. So you can only hear what's immediately around you. So it's a positive, but the, the reverse of that is that the longer you sit and listen, the yep. more likely you are to get caught. Right, and that's again what threw me off from watching the trailers. I assumed there would be a lot of this sitting and waiting and and planning based on what you were able to um, perceive and observe, but not really. It's really more of uh, just a real quick. You know, you stop for a few seconds, you get your bearings, and then you gotta just go. So it's less uh, strategy in the sense that you you would think, but it's more reactionary. Right, exactly. Reactionary is a good word because you won't. Obviously, it is not the kind of game where you can just hold a direction and you know you're going to barrel your way to the end. It really is how do you cope once you make a turn and there's someone there that you weren't expecting, and then right. you know, what kind of decisions do you make on the fly? It kind of reminds me in a weird way of a snake on the phone, because well, at least in some versions of snake, there was the other snake that would just kind of zigzag with you, and you'd have to you know you split oh, okay. second uh, change your course so you don't crash into him. Mm-hmm. As well as yourself, and and then I think some versions, if maybe all versions, but I remember Snake kind of the tail also would deplete, like behind you, so it would kind of lag a bit as you uh, as you moved around. So you'd have to you know consider that and maybe hope that it will be gone by the time you go through it. And, I mean, as as an example of another reactionary game. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. So you know, for two bucks, I absolutely would recommend it to anyone who thinks this might be a game up their alley. Um, cause there really aren't many games made like this. Uh, it's kind of a shame that if it was made in 2009, obviously the franchise did not really get off the ground. Um, because I would love to see a sequel. I'd love to see where they would go from here. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially because what little story there is, they don't really, they don't really develop at the end. They, they don't really give you any, you still, exit the game with as many questions as you had after the first scene which is a little disappointing so i'm glad that they gave that layer of meaning just so that the game itself has like more of a vibe you know 
sure. Because of the setting and the characters, you get kind of like a spooky, eerie kind of vibe. And that really, that helps. That's pretty cool. But I wish that they would actually have answered some questions uh, along with that. But they don't. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, any other questions about that game? Or should I move on? You can move on. I'm, huh. I've got quite a good uh, idea of it. Yeah, um, from your discussion, everything. And, yeah, I'm um, glad I played. I'm glad I played it. It wasn't what I what I thought it would be, but it was good. So, well, it's yeah. it's nice, you know, when you take a chance and you get surprised. Exactly. Not a lot of gamers really do take as many chances as they think they do. Mm. So that's cool. True that. Um, speaking of chances, no, nah, not really. I just wanted to segue. Um, I also played Gunman Clive, which I sort of. I downloaded like on a whim because we were sort of talking about it. I think last last podcast. Uh, I'm not even sure if it was during the recording. Maybe Andrew was talking about it. I'm not sure if it was during the recording or just after we stopped. But whatever it was prompted me to just download it immediately. So um, yeah, I'll say the same thing everyone else has said, which is the art style is really really cool. Really very visually enjoying. Uh, enjoying enjoyable. <laughs> uh. I'm really amazed that they sort of were able to take that sort of, uh, if anyone has seen the AHA Take On Me music video, mm-hmm. it's that sort of scribbled style effect, but it looks great on the small screen, and it looks great in 3D. And other than that, the gameplay is pretty much, you know, people have compared it to Mega Man, and I think that's accurate, but I think it's it's almost more of a uh, more of a sedate Mega Man, because it's not really, I think Mega Man had a lot of sort of running, frantic, jumping, shooting. Whereas this is more like uh, you'll be presented with an enemy in front of you and you have to figure out the very basic solution to what is the best way to approach this enemy and shoot him and move on unscathed. And the game basically is just a series of situations like that, one after the other. Um, now, how how much life do you get? Is it like a one-hit thing? or uh, It's definitely not a one-hit thing. Uh, depending on what difficulty you choose, you either get like a huge health bar or a rather small health bar. But I think at the smallest, it's like three hits, mm-hmm. I want to say. Uh, and you can get, I believe it's pieces of cake that yeah. give you your health back. Yeah, I'm looking at the trailer now and I'm seeing what you're talking about. He's shooting ducks, and cake is popping out of their dead carcasses. He sure is. Just like the Wild West. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have the Pony Express, the Wild West, all that stuff. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. and they have candles in the cake. That's really a nice thing. Oh, yeah, it's like birthday cake. <laughs> yeah, not even just like ice cream cake or yep, not even regular face cake. cake. Oh, that one was a big cake. Very yep. nice. Big cake is all your health, I think. Um, And there are several different power-ups for different shots. Uh, however, and this sort of adds to the strategy, if you will, it's sort of like, it's it's entirely random which power-up you get, so you can't even really plan uh, in that sense. You have to sort of come up with a plan based on what you get. And a lot of times I found I was sort of like, like I would get the power-ups almost by accident. So even if you had something you liked, you might have to change your approach depending on what you got. Uh, I also think most of the, like, I really enjoy the spread shot, you know, which is just yeah. standard three shots um, in different directions. And that one's very useful. Most of the other ones are not so useful. <laughs> there's a lot that are kind of lame. Like, there's one that's, I guess, really powerful, but really slow. Uh, and that's not very helpful. Uh, it's okay against bosses for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's one other one that is very helpful, which is like a laser that just goes through everything. But 
I only encountered that like once a playthrough most of the time. So uh, the game is very short, which a lot of other people have said. I can't remember if it's 15 or 20 levels, something like that. Uh, but it goes pretty quick. You can really beat the whole thing in, I don't know, hour and a half. Back in the Mega Man thing, the level design looks very much like Mega Man. I mean, I'm watching a video right now, and the guy, he's going down ladders and doing that yeah, kind of zigzagging flat. down and then moving forward. And and there's no, like, backgrounds, really. So nope. there's no sense of where you really are. I mean, it, I can tell I'm inside a building, but mm-hmm. there's no logic to why there's a ladder up in the ceiling right there and a corridor. And Well, I think they actually do a pretty good Like, there might not be logic in the sense of, you just described as far as like okay why would there be a ladder in the middle of this saloon or something like that but um but what is actually kind of interesting is unlike a lot of games you do move sort of um like from one area to the next like you'll end a level by going into a saloon door and then the next stage is in a saloon and then you'll exit that you'll walk out of the saloon at the end of that level and you know you'll be at a cave entrance or something like that so So, with respect to each level they do link together it's just that they don't make a lot of sense in a general way right right so i found that kind of cool because a lot of games just totally ignore that kind of thing it's like yeah all of a sudden you'll be you know underwater and then in the next stage you're in an airplane and they don't you know give any sort of connective for that so i thought it was kind of neat that this is it does sort of play out like one continuous uh environment Mm -hmm. Hmm. um and things get sort of crazy towards the end i won't spoil anything but it definitely uh definitely gets more interesting story wise Uh, or gameplay wise just gameplay wise and i guess setting wise there's still really story but uh yeah so again you know my verdict is wasn't very expensive it's not extremely meaty but it was fun and it looked really cool, and it was interesting, and I had a good time with it. So I think a lot of people are kind of on board with this. It's become kind of trendy, I think. So they are not wrong, is my opinion. Cool. Yep. I'm glad, and, you, I'm glad you had a more favorable position on this, because I've heard that some people have been let down. Oh, uh, because that was, so short? Uh, I think part of that, yeah. Yeah. And so I've been kind of just hesitant to look into it. I mean, I've got a lot of a lot of stuff, you know, to play, and so my time is, you know, always being grabbed for, and so like stuff like this. If I hear something bad about something, then it just gets not necessarily shunned, but just ignored for sure. a definite amount of time. And uh, you know, this was one of those games that kind of did get shunned a little bit, but uh, hearing you talk about it, it's kind of re reinvigorated my desire to look into this. Yeah, I mean. You know, just based on the trailers that you're watching, is there something that sticks out to you that you are concerned about that you might say, like, oh, this aspect turns me off a little bit? No, no, not from the basicness. Um, here, I'm about to see a, uh, a boss. It just, it's amazing how, how Mega Man-ish this really is. <laughs> yeah. Well, is and that, a... that could be a turnoff if you don't see enough unique qualities in the game. It, honestly, I can, yeah, I'm kind of on, think feeling like that a little bit. Yeah, and I was going to say, I think really the only truly unique quality is the visuals. Right. So, you know, it's, so if that's, you know, if that's not enough, then that's, uh, you know, that makes total sense. I mean, a lot of times I kind of feel like the visuals of a game, you know, who cares for the most part. Mm-hmm. But, um, but this I really felt was unique in an enjoyable enough way that it it justifies 
the sameness of the of the gameplay. Yeah, let me let me ask you this one question about yep. the game. You can ask because, any questions. <laughs> well, I only have one key one. Okay. And that is, uh, I'm seeing that enemies are re- respawning like the second they're off the screen, then you come yes. back, and that is a really frustrating aspect of a lot of old school NES games in general, let alone Mega Man. Sure, so sure. is it does that become a problem here? Well, because uh, like Ninja Gaiden be. was designed with that kind of asshole behavior in mind, <laughs> while Mega Man I don't think was so much. It just right. was kind of a fault of it. Right. Well, let me say there's nothing Ninja Gaiden-y as far as uh, the annoyance factor. Okay, uh, that's from, good. That's promising. There's, there's no even though there are birds, there's no eagles that are gonna come and like as soon as you jump in the air they're gonna respawn and well, kill you. The birds look a lot like uh enemies from Mega Man as well. Like I'm having major flashbacks to various things like the pelicans that drop those eggs or whatever. Okay. I think they're pelicans, but um I there's like I think it's Mega Man too, that there's enemies just like that. Hmm, probably right. Um, but yeah, but even though in this game they respawn like one pixel off the screen, you know, um, I think that that is by design because of the fact that, like I said, it's really the gameplay is supposed to be sort of a series of these little confrontations. And I think they don't want you to cheap out by like, you know, shooting and then ducking off the screen real quick and then letting your bullet take care of it. And then you don't really have to deal sure. with that enemy so they want the you way to come up front with every enemy exactly exactly because i don't because otherwise even in old school games you know there would be you know you'd get like 20 pixels off the screen before they respawn or something but this is like you can almost watch them respawn it's that <laughs> close to the edge of the screen so as long and, as you go into it with that understanding of how you're supposed to be kind of playing then right it shouldn't be a deterrent I would think not. It didn't bother me. It the first couple times when I started to notice it, I was surprised. But yeah, it. I don't think it's a it's a annoyance ultimately. Hmm. So that's it for me. What about you, sir? What have you been playing? All right. So let's see. It was a few weeks ago since our last podcast, and I've been playing some of the same things. I've been playing a new game on a whim, which leads to also a new console. Well, I guess you can call it a console, but a new system in general. So uh, I want to start off, though, with Paper Mario. I am now... Before, I was struggling in World 3, and now I am currently at the start of World 5. And I've hit a few other snags. There's a particular mansion in World 4 that wasn't challenging to solve, except for one little thing that I just was missing. And that might have been due to playing the game kind of in random spurts the way I did. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I kind of forgot that this little nugget of detail was over there, and so I, then I didn't go back to it. So after struggling with that a little bit, I did get through it, and it was uh, it was quite fun. And okay. my disdain for the game that started building hasn't fully dissipated, because oh, there's other okay. things later that, like, kind of annoy me still. But the game overall is still fun. I'm still happy I'm playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back and looked for Luigi in a few of the levels because he's hidden in, in a few instances, which I isn't do. really any spoiler. He's kind of hidden in a lot of games, I guess. But um, yeah, so uh, there's not really much else to say that I haven't already said. Okay. How many uh, worlds are there total? From what I can tell, there's six, but I don't okay. know how deep the sixth level goes because mm-hmm. um, I guess from around the time that you're in the third world, you can go, or maybe even sooner. But you can go kind of explore a little bit. You can go to, like, the first... Oh, you know what? No, I think it is around the time you finish World 3. You can then go to Worlds 4, 5, and 6. But 5 and 6 are kind of 
blocked off, sort of. Mm. And now that I look back on it, five might not have been very blocked off at all, but six definitely is. Okay. It um, I don't want to. Well, it's not really spoilers, or whatever. It's just like a giant cliff wall, and and you go there by boat, and I have no idea how to get through it. I'm I'm assuming it opens up after I beat World Five, but uh. Well, from what little I know about this game, isn't it all about finding um, like there'll be some sort of roadblock, and then you find some random item to come and. Open you know, up that block or something. In a lot of instances, it is. So yeah, maybe there's a, you know, I don't know, a uh, wrecking ball. Wrecking ball. Yeah, maybe wrecking ball. I was gonna say jackhammer, but I think there already is a jackhammer in my inventory, and you definitely don't use that. But I don't think that there's a section though. Like when, when you paperize, it then takes whatever screen you, you're looking at and flattens it, and then puts okay. that down on an axis so you can stick things onto the screen, which then generates like. Um, it either does something to the environment or it can create a question mark block which can give you an item, stuff like that. And so I don't think that that can happen in this section, which would imply maybe you don't apply something to it. Okay. But, uh, but you know, who knows? I haven't gotten there yet. So hmm. um, I do like the locales and how they've changed over the course of the game so far. You know, your first world is your standard world as always. The second, like, okay, if I told you, to guess what the second world in this game would be based Desert. on. Yep, exactly. <laughs> so, um, so that, you know, it changes to that, and that was pretty fun, and the third was more of the jungle, although not exactly the jungle, because... So the second world is not a desert. No, it is. Oh. So, yeah, first world, you know, your standard, second's the desert, third is kind of a, I guess, more of a forest, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then the fourth is more snowy, and, and, you know, this isn't spoiler stuff, because you can see it on the map the second you put up the game. But I do like the variety that I'm getting with that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I've just been making my way through. I just beat a level, I think it was 4 or 5. And without, you know, I guess, I don't know, spoiler, spoiling it, it, it was kind of a unique game or unique level. But okay. uh, it was kind of like a roller coaster ride, but it was set as a theme park ride where okay. there's like a whole line of shy guys and they're all waiting in line to go next and next. And so there's one level, one or one aspect of the level where you're just trying to get through this line. Just and they're not trying to attack you; they're just waiting in line to go on the ride. But it's hard to get around them without knocking into one and then having to fight. And okay. then later you you go on the minecart ride and or the roller coaster, and you have to do jumps. And it was a very inventive level. And the the games do vary in their locales, and then also with their locale specific challenges. So it is it is a a good game in that sense. I'm still finding myself. Struggling in in some rare instances, though, with you know what item do I use that kind mm-hmm. of thing, mm-hmm. and it's more obvious in boss battles what you should do if you really think about it, or or if you maybe it might be smart to before you go into a boss battle or go into it, see what the enemy is about, and then go back out and look at just all these items you've collected over the course of the game and see what might be useful about it. That could okay. work, but okay. the game does throw in these random curveballs in the levels themselves, such as that mansion level. Where you just you know don't think about it, mm-hmm. and I don't consider myself a stupid man, but maybe maybe in some well, we all do. I, so. Well, thank you. So everyone listening does. So so then you guys just totally get what's happening. Now, I'm, just, I'm just all uh, all confused. But no, I was kidding. I um, it. So you know, a lot of people have said that this is really a very different game from the rest of the Paper Mario series. Yeah. So. How do those differences factor into your like or dislike? I'm constantly struggling with that, honestly. Oh, okay. Like it's it changes every time I think about it, because 
I, I've still been avoiding battles when possible. Okay. Um, until I have like a full sticker arsenal, and it's like, well, I might as well fight just to use up some of them. Did you ever think you'd be saying the phrase sticker arsenal? <laughs> no. Okay. I, I hoped, though. I wanted a band called Sticker Arsenal, but I never uh, never was able to play the guitar well enough. Um, <laughs> but anyway, my brain just went to a whole new offshoot. I, I have a bunch of those. No, in, in a box somewhere uh, in my room, I have a bunch of those really old, uh, like, what are they, holofoil or those shiny foil stickers that you can get at, like, the coin machines. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got, like, Scooby-Doo. I've got all these old cartoon characters. And they would look great on a guitar for my band, Sticker Arsenal. But <laughs> that's besides the point. So it is pretty it, – it's fun to, to use them, though, especially when you get more creative stickers, which you learn as you go that it's not – it makes no difference if you hold on to them. I mean, you, you will want to use them for certain moments, but you can always pretty much get them back. So okay. for the first half of the game, I was hoarding these really awesome stickers, waiting to use them, waiting for the right moment. And it doesn't matter. I mean, you get so many coins over the course of the game that – you can just buy back the items that and make the the stickers again. Okay. Like I just got some sewing scissors. I haven't used them yet, but I'm just gonna use them on some enemy that you know, not a goomba, but just some enemy that actually has some sort of oomph. I'll just use them on him. You know. It, so when you try to get back stickers you've used, are you able to like, as you were saying, like purchase them with coins right away, or do you have to like backtrack? Oh, you've got to backtrack. There are certain shops in each world. That only have certain stickers, so you have to kind of remember that if you want a very specific, like, rare sticker. Mm-hmm. And as far as the items into stickers, that whole thing, like a bowling ball, you know, you can just find a bowling ball in the game, and later you want to use it, you'd actually have to go find that item again and then paperize it in one of two locations that I can think of. Or you okay. can go, in the first of those two locations, there's a shop, like a, a shady guy behind a door, and he will sell you the item again, which you can then just go use to uh, become a sticker and that happens once you've found the item for the first time so they do make it easy on that level but if you wanted say a flashy line jump sticker which is a particular type of move you'd have to either know where it is in a shop if it is or you'd have to know like what question mark box and what level gives them because some some boxes do give the same item so it just kind of depends and it's never an issue where oh, I really wish I had more of these red turtle shells. I mean, I do right. wish I had more of those because they're good weapons, especially for doing damage to enemies in a line. But but it doesn't become yeah. critical no, at no. any one time. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. So so that's, it is nice that that's not frustrating. But then on the same level, I do kind of wish there was more of a true RPG nature where I was leveling up, earning some new moves, that kind of thing in that way. Something, mm-hmm. something feels very good about that, about Super uh, Mario RPG, you know, that kind of thing. Right. But, and that leads us kind of into the topic we'll discuss soon, uh, the Nintendo Direct, because that's where the Mario and Luigi series comes from. So True. I'm really happy with them doing Paper Mario on a handheld, for one. That's okay with me, mm-hmm. even though I know a lot of them, if not all of them, have been on consoles. Mm-hmm. And where was my thought going? Um, you know, it's cool to have that on the handheld along with Mario and Luigi, as long as we still have that Mario and Luigi series, because that's mm-hmm. more of a true RPG nature. So, right. So yeah. That's do you fun. think maybe that that's what they will do? Is sort of start keeping the RPG elements on the one franchise and sort of make the Paper Mario more whatever you'd call this? No, honestly, I think that Paper Mario might be 
not to the same extent as, but it might become more of a Kirby, where they kind of just do what they want. They kind of experiment. Uh, yeah. Because before Paper Mario, Sticker Star was, um, I forget the name of the actual title, but, you know, the one, oh, Super Paper Mario, where, you know, you could do the 2D to 3D kind of thing. Well, not really 3D, but you could just switch perspectives. So that was mm-hmm. unique. And then before that were the two traditional Paper Marios, which those may or may not have existed before Mario and Luigi as a series. And even if they didn't, you know, those were console-based. So now that Paper Mario's kind of moved off that necessity to be on a console, I think they just kind of want to do what they want to do. Okay. And they don't want to stick with the same conventions that they would have to. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So all in all, it's been fun. But So what have you been playing this on? I mean, probably just a normal old 3DS <laughs> you just got kicking around. Yeah, you know, some, you know, two DSs taped together, you know, so I've been playing it on. <laughs> yeah, um, cool. But no, I, uh, the Nintendo Direct has this deal with it, which is if any 3DS XL that is purchased and, or, and registered as of February 14th, as well as if you buy... Luigi's Mansion or one other game I can't remember. Oh, Mystery Dungeon. Yeah, I think so. Um, so if you buy any one of those two and a 3DS XL within like the next month and a half or whatever, then you will be able to download one of five games for free. And those mm-hmm. are Freaky Form Deluxe, Art Academy, Super Mario 3D Land, Miracle Mask, and Star Fox 64 3D. So I mm-hmm. thought to myself, well, that's a cool deal. I've really wanted Star Fox 64 3D but I didn't want to justify the money to it because I don't really have experience with the series, but I think I would like it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just haven't bit the bullet on it. And also Miracle Mask is also another good one that after hearing you talk about it, makes me wonder, well, which one do I pick? But oh yeah. Uh, so I figured, well, I kind of want this, but I've never upgraded a handheld system before. Mm-hmm. And like I had my fat DS up until I got my 3DS. Oh, really? And, yeah. And, I mean, the, the hinge was broken because it fell, like, a, six months before the 3S came out. So, like, the hinge was all messed up. But I stuck with it. And so the idea of changing was kind of foreign to me. But this deal and then the fact that, like, my nephew would really love... Well, also from the Nintendo Direct, the uh, Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D mm-hmm. is going to be coming out. And my nephew loves playing that on my Wii. So I thought, well, what if I got him, you know, my 3DS and then... You know, that he gets that game eventually, he'll love it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, okay, I'll buy the 3DS XL, do this deal, because I'm already going to get Luigi's Mansion anyway, mm-hmm. and then I can give him the 3DS. And so that's kind of the plan, but I'm going to give it to my nephew, or not my nephew, but my uh, brother-in-law, I think, because I think he'll take care of it better. He'll actually have more things to do on it, and then he can let his son play, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd rather it be more of, this is daddy's, not yours, so don't break it, you know. That's a good idea. I mean, the, the system, it is dinged up, my old system, and uh, but I think my brother-in-law would appreciate it regardless because he's never owned a handheld system in his life. And I just, like, this is pathetic maybe, but because I do never get rid of anything, like even games that I don't like, I still have Red Steel on my shelf. I'm not going to get rid of it. I hate it, but I'm not going to get rid of it because I'm <laughs> kind of a collector in that sense. Yeah, so huh? the idea of getting rid of a system really actually pains me. And so to, I started thinking about it like being used by my my nephew and getting greased up and just not giving a shit about and water's going to spill on it. And it actually pained me to think about that. So I was like, my brother-in-law, it should go to him. Yep. Um, yeah. And I, even then, it's kind of hard to, to leave it because I like the color and stuff. But anyway, the 3DS Excel, though, I did buy 
and I made this decision like within 12 hours. Like I went to work and then I was like, I'm just going to get on the way home. I know you posted in the forums wondering if you should get it. I remember that. And pretty much before I could finish reading everyone's comments, I had it. <laughs> and <laughs> I am very glad I did because it, it's got such a better form factor. It's the buttons feel nicer. Mm-hmm. The screens are pretty amazing. They do feel they're, they're big and, and it's big in a sense that you really can, it really makes a difference, you know, mm-hmm. and the resolution or anything, no, nothing really seems to change in a negative sense. They have little nubs on the top cover that prevent it from scratching, mm-hmm. which is amazing because that's what happened to my, my poor original 3DS. Um, the bu- Like I said, the buttons feel good. It comes with a 4 gig mem- memory card, which I have to someday uh, transfer my stuff from my 2 gig over to that. But, I did really like how it looked like the, uh, you know, home start select mm. were uh, actual buttons instead of whatever you would call it on the original 3DS, where they're kind of buttons under a little skin. Right. And yeah. actually, ironically enough, in my opinion, the ones on the 3DS XL feel more like like they're not buttons. Like, you don't really press them, even though you do. Okay. They're just very sensitive, but they don't feel... It's not hard to press them anymore. Mm. I constantly felt like on the 3DS... It was very hard to, to kind of like when you're not looking at that particular spot to kind of hit the right button because there's no mm-hmm. real. It's a very subtle division, but yeah, between select home and start, mm-hmm. and that's not the case on this one. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, the system overall is really nice. I recommend anyone out what there. What color did you get? I got the blue. Okay. Because uh, that is definitely my favorite color, and I was again a little skeptical because I like the weird blue that I have with my 3ds, but more and more each day this kind of more standard blue is really growing on me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you said in the thread you were waiting for the right color to come out. I sure was, and still am. Like, what are you, yeah. expe- what are you expecting? What do you want? Um, like, hot fuchsia? <laughs> no. Um, no, there's there's nothing wrong with uh, the red and the blue that's out now. Uh, there's nothing wrong with them. And in fact, seeing them in person... I, they look much better than they do in the promotional materials. I will say that. Yeah, the matte finish is. I was kind of worried about that, but it looks really nice. Yeah. Um. I. I. It sounds weird, I'm sure, but I'm just. I'm waiting for a color that grabs me. Mm, puke that green. I'm just gonna be like, mm, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> Though I would love a green. Uh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah. No. Nah, well, just... In the year of Luigi, they should just do a uh, a green oh one for God. that. You know. Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm I hope t- they do. I'm totally a marketing genius. I know that would be so amazing because the green ones never come over for like any of the DSs. Yeah, I don't know. Personally, I would love a green one. <laughs> I would love a green one or a white one. I almost was. I was seriously tempted because they've got that uh, the pink and white one that's coming out here, which is an XL. Oh yeah, but it's not out yet, right? I think it's coming out very soon. Uh, like maybe this week, if I remember correctly. But the year of peach. <laughs> but ultimately, as secure as I am with my gamer hood, I probably couldn't do it. It's it's really pain. well. I don't know. It looks nice though. I think it does look nice. And it is mostly white because the console itself is white, while the the lid is pink. And just right. like mine, the console itself is black, but with a blue top. Unlike my original, which is all. You know, except for the inside top lid, it's all that weird turquoise color. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. But I yeah. Just do it, because you're not gonna be looking at the pink when you're playing, man. No, uh, I know. You know, I know. And uh, yeah, it'll happen eventually. If I don't, 
get a color that grabs me by the end of 2013, I'll probably just pick from whatever's available. Yeah. That's how I'll approach I it. I kind of wish that they had a, uh, like a purple and yellow. I've always really liked uh, Wario's colors. Okay. And that'd be kind of neat. Hmm. But Truth. But blue works great for me. And, yeah. you know, I can nitpick this thing apart with details or things that I read beforehand that are just neat, like the LED lights for the power and, and the... Wi-Fi. Yeah, all that stuff. They're curved. Yeah. So okay. you can see them kind of from multiple angles, which is actually subtle, but very a very nice touch compared mm. to the single squares on the 3DS. Right, because those are all just from directly from the bottom. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, from the side, more or less. Uh, okay. But they're just one directional, and there's just right. so many subtle changes that it makes me wonder, like, did they release the 3DS and then immediately start thinking how to make it better? Yeah. Um, or like, I had similar, even more cynical ideas, but... And I mean, I'm cool with it, because I wouldn't have wanted to wait until they had a 3DS XL ready to play. I know people yeah. say that, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me, but I want to play stuff as soon as possible, within reason. I mean, don't give me a crappy bucky game, but if you can make an improvement on it a year or two later, then we can talk about it then. But don't hold sure. it up for that length of time just to, uh, I don't know, try to prevent complaints. Sure. Because you're gonna, if, if this came out first, the 3DS XL, people would be saying, oh, it's too it's too round, or what's with the matte finish? Why isn't it yeah. shiny? You know, They'd find yeah, something exactly. to complain about. So it's very all perspective true. after the fact. You know, so yep. so um, all, it's very, very nice. I've probably said on this podcast before, but the DSi XL is literally my favorite platform of all time. Uh, obviously, things like a console experience, the games still still trumpet. Uh, you know, the the Wii's provides better experiences than any of the DS's can, in my opinion. But um, but I just I love the DSi XL. Mm-hmm. It is really really enjoyable to use. So. I'm very much looking forward to getting a similar experience when I eventually get the 3DS XL. And I will finish up with just a warning to people okay. um, who may have been turned off by the 3DS XL because of like a Best Buy unit. I've seen this in stores many times, and I actually held it you know, with the giant thing tethered to the back of it, but yep. I've actually touched the thing, and I was not impressed. I was like, okay, whatever. I don't need this. It looks like shit. It's greasy. It's disgusting. That's yeah, they're always being fondled all the time. Sure. Yeah. Yep. But to get a brand new one out of the box, it looks so nice. And I'm already like getting annoyed because little dust particles from my pocket got in between the screens mm-hmm. and stuff. And but it, it's it's a really nice console. And I wonder how many people are pissed that I keep calling it a console, but it's kind of. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, you bring up an interesting and almost completely unrelated point, which <laughs> is that uh, yeah, I'm starting to think that like game companies should rethink their in-store promotion somehow because i remember the first time i saw a 3ds i was so excited because you know everyone had been talking about you know that's when all the hype was like really pure and and you know like cranked to 11 and everyone was like oh you gotta see this thing it's like the games are in your head you know whatever but uh so i was really excited to see a 3ds for the first time we went to a best buy and I got up to it, and because the screen was so greasy and disgusting, the entire like 3D effect was lost. Right. You know? And <laughs> I was like... I'm just imagining is... like a 3DS with KY jelly across the top of it. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, this is okay, I guess, but I'm kind of skeeved out, and it's not working that well, and 
I am done. So yeah, if a certain retailer doesn't take care of it, it really can deter your experience. Yeah, it's the same with uh I've only played a Wii U twice now, but both times it's kind of like I pick up the the white controller and it's kind of like more gray. <laughs> and I'm just like, eh, maybe I don't want to play this whole level. Yeah. Right. So anyway, and um, yeah. what can you do but I think it would bode well for Nintendo in general to have more of those events that they've had where they can manage, you know, what their consoles look like, yeah, true, uh, yeah. how they're played, what games, and bring bring those events to people. Mm-hmm. But let's move on, though. Uh, I have two other games I want to talk to, but I don't want to take up too much more time with, with this section of the podcast. But mm. I just last night finished The Walking Dead on Steam, Telltale's version of that series. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. I finished all five episodes, and I know I mentioned this before, and I I might be retreading some things, but this was an amazing game. I know it's not on any Nintendo consoles, but I recommend if you have a computer at all, which most (laughs) of my, you know, friends and most of our listeners and everyone I freaking know pretty much has, (laughs) uh, Mac or PC, it doesn't matter. I mean, I don't know if it could run it, because there are specific requirements for that, but it is such an emotionally punched, uh, like, deep game. I, I, mm-hmm. I was trying really hard before the podcast to even think of, how do I express what I'm feeling from this? And no game in recent memory has really done that. Even Bioshock, which I was so into, mm-hmm. you know, it had a great story in it, and it was good, but I didn't... It, it stuck with me in the sense of it was really fun after I stopped playing it for the day, but... Okay. The actual characters didn't stick with me nearly as much as this game did. Mm-hmm. And all five episodes took me about 16 hours, somewhere in the 16-hour range. It didn't. Steam doesn't tell you specifically, at least not right in the front page. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I would play it in, like... Lately, I've been playing in, like, two, three-hour spurts. Um, okay. And But before, I kind of was playing, like, more like an hour and, and everything. So it takes a few play sessions to kind of beat a chapter. And... Uh, no game have I ever, like, gone to work, and, like, my boss, even she has been interested to hear me talk about the game. I talked about it once, she was like, oh, that's really cool, and I kept going into work every day after playing it and telling her what happened next, and okay. and, it, and she's like, and she was on the edge of her seat just for me talking about it, and what Was game, she familiar with the series or anything? She She knows of it, but she's never really been into it. She doesn't watch the show. She doesn't read the comics or anything, but she's heard of it. But even still, it was just gripping her, you know. Mm-hmm. And so what game really does that? You know, I mean, this is a really horrible example, of course. It's unfair, but, you know, no one goes and says, so Mario, he stomped on a Goomba, and then he went through a <laughs> pipe. It was so crazy. And then right. he was underground. And, yeah, so no one says well, that about Mario. people used to say that 25 years ago, but, yes, no Perhaps. one says that. <laughs> Perhaps, but the, the industry's been infiltrated with other stories in such sense. Yes. Um, I mean, I don't even say that about Zelda, you know, mm. and and it, yeah, maybe true. it's an unfair comparison because you know Link and Zelda—they're all fictional characters. While these characters feel so real, mm. um, my my coworker was joking with me, saying that I was going insane because I was talking about these characters like they were real people. But I would I would talk about how you know I have to do this to help Clem when I get home, you know, <laughs> help Clementine, and <laughs> and I would say it just because it, it felt so natural to discuss the game in that way. I I'm not a, you know a lunatic in real life. But I just came off that way in a sense because it it packed such an emotional punch and it was so there's such an attachment for me for the characters and the story that it it felt really real in in that respect. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I, I know that I didn't ever go through these 
events, but in the same way that like Dorothy in the Wizard of Oz wakes up and is like, that shit was really real. Like, did that happen? <laughs> it's uh-huh. the same thing for me. Like, I wake up every morning. Did I really chop that zombie's head off last night? Like, it mm. feels that's how connected you you get with these characters, and that's what's so amazing about this. And I've never had an experience like that with an adventure game, or I've never had that kind of experience with any Telltale games because this is my first one. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell everyone out there, you should play this. If you, as long as you're not turned off by zombies as a whole, you will, you will have such a great experience. I mean, that's like a surefire thing. Mm. Um, I don't know if you have any questions, but uh, a few other notes that I kind of had jotted down here. Um, it's really cool how the game kind of tracks your actions. At the end of each episode, it tells you this percent of people did the same thing as you. And cause oh, that's it, cool. Because each episode has a few key plot points that you can decide what happens. In the end, I mean, the, the ending that I saw should be the same ending that everyone sees, but there's a whole slew of choices that get you there, and I don't know, I've only played through it once now, so I don't know if the, how this changes if you choose different options, but I'll tell you, and like this kind of is going into spoiler territory, I know you don't personally care, so I'll probably be a little less liberal, or a little more liberal with my uh, details, but to anyone listening, I just want you to know, you know, maybe skip ahead a few minutes here, but like one of the key things that happens in the first episode is you either have to save Duck, who is this kid, and you just met his family, you don't know shit about this guy, or you mm-hmm. can save this farmhand, who uh, also you don't really know shit about, but he did kind of, you guys kind of worked together for a minute the night before, and he, you know, the, the farmhand seems like a, he seems like a nice guy, he's not a psycho, he seems like he could be able-bodied and help you in the future, and then Duck is kind of a moronic kid, who his own father kind of jokes about how stupid he is. Okay. Um, so, but at, at you, they both get attacked at the same time, and you have to choose which one do you save. And now, real quick, is it like, uh, do you decide on the fly, or is it like a little message box pops up and both. it's like, which one do you? Save? Oh, both. Okay. A message box pops up, and you have actually, I don't even know if in this case you might have had to click on one of them and not um, choose a dialogue thing, but yeah, you have it pops up as they're as they're struggling, and then you have. A few seconds as the bar just lowers and lowers and lowers and lowers and lowers, and you have to make a decision mm. right then. Okay. And it's it's gripping. You don't even expect it to happen. Suddenly, it just happens, you know. And I chose to save Duck, even though it was really hard for me. And all this happened in a few seconds. But I was thinking to myself, well, you know, that guy is going to be really good for us. But I'm not going to let a kid die, you know. Mm. And these are like I'm almost getting chills right now because these are resonating my own <laughs> feelings. Like, what would I do in the, in that situation? And it was horrible for me to make. I hated making that decision, but I loved mm. it, you know? Mm. Mm-hmm. It was just amazing. And these, these moments happen throughout the whole series, and they happen every so often. And there's no, you know, time where you're like, ah, oh, man, it's, it's getting kind of boring. When am I going to do something interesting? Every freaking right. second is interesting. And even when there's downtime, like in uh, episode four, you end up kind of in this house, and there's a lot of things to do in the house. There's a really haunting scene that occurs here. Um, again, spoiler alert, uh, like you, one of the characters goes up into the attic and you go follow him and he's creepily just kind of kneeling, looking at something. And you're like, okay, hello, what's going on here? And it, and it's a, it's a guy named Kenny and he's staring at a zombie who is this little boy who just died of starvation. And he's so weak, he can't even attack him. And this affects Kenny deeply because of something that happens later on in the, or actually earlier on in the game. Mm. And, and again, I don't want to say all the points just in case someone isn't listening to the whole spoiler warning thing. But, uh, 
and it's just amazing what happens in that attic. And this time, like, I chose to help Kenny previously with his whole struggle of what he was going through. But this time okay. I said, look, you've got to take care of this. You have to uh-huh. make this decision. And I forced it on him. Even though I had multiple times, I could have walked over and shot him that zombie in the head. I could have stomped his head in, um, which probably would have got a negative reaction out of Kenny because that was kind of an inhumane way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, or I could have left him to just be there and stay in the house with us and just ignore him. Or I did what I did, and I, I forced Kenny to take care of it. And Kenny kind of healed a little bit from that. And it's just so amazing. And, and I'm talking about these people again, Kenny this, Kenny that, Lee this. <laughs> but they really feel like real people in my head. Because that's how gripping and emotionally attaching, I don't, I'm not saying that ever right, but it, it's just mind-boggling how this worked. Well, that's really impressive that the game's able to accomplish all that. It, it really is. And, and then so going into the, like, I guess for a chat from like episode two, like later episode two, all the way through episode five, Kenny really wants to do this one way of what he thinks will be salvation. While other characters think other way, other ways, and uh, um, and eventually, well, I guess I don't know where I was going with that. Like that's kind of the gist, but the way it ends is not at all what you'd expect. I've read some things lately about like people talking about the validity of games and how the test is like whether or not a game can ever make you cry. Right. So this is clearly a game that uh, is walking that that terrain. Huh? This really feels like a game that's beyond a game. And what's funny is that, like Andrew was discussing with us last time, there's not a lot of gameplay to it. It's more like an right. interactive yeah. movie. And there are times where you have to act quickly, you have to click quickly. Um, there was a segment where I was in a bell tower and I had to escape from zombies, and I had to back up a little bit, then like kind of shoot one in the face, and then back up and shoot another. Um, my leg gets caught, so I have to like mouse down and click on my leg to like try to pull it up, and then I have to quickly look back to make sure no zombies are about to eat me and that kind of thing. And, um, so there is action, for sure, and those really heighten various moments throughout the game, but the real, the most tense moments are really between characters, and that's what The Walking Dead as a, as a entertainment medium has always been about. I mean, the game, the comic, the show, Sure. it's all yeah. about, been about, the whole point is that The Walking Dead are actually the humans, like the, the living humans, not the zombies. Yeah, and I get you. This, this game never once drops that ball, it is just constantly hammering that home. So, uh, besides that bond, um, there was one point in the game where, uh, this kind of homeless guy that we met and I was kind of skeptical on him. I wasn't convinced that he was a good guy or anything, but he ends up kind of sacrificing himself temporarily to save Clem and to get us out of a bad situation. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? You don't see him die. Maybe he'll come back to the rescue later, that kind of thing. And I was in a sewer and, uh, and I'm just, I, it was kind of like a puzzle where I had to distract the zombies so I could get past them through a little tunnel. And they were kind of busy just eating something in the sewer. And I was, didn't think anything of it. And mm-hmm. when I got, when I kind of moved him over and I, I started going past him, it's the damn homeless guy. And like, so this character that I didn't think was dead, I'm seeing being eaten live, you know, and he's, there was no conversation about it. There's no nothing. He was just dead. It just happened because every, every moment is from, uh, Lee's perspective. So mm-hmm. when someone leaves the room, it you know they're gone uh, unless I go find them. But it's, sure. and even though I didn't really care about this guy, I felt like crap about it. I was like, damn it, this guy he he showed some promise, you know. He didn't seem like a horrible human being, and he was just someone fending out for himself. And then even further than that, there's a character named Ben, who's kind of this high school nerd. Who honestly, I wanted to beat the shit out of myself for a lot of the game. <laughs> like I I almost regretted saving his life because he 
was just so annoying and made such bad decisions, and he continues to do that throughout the game, but later I found myself trying to give him redemption, especially when Kenny was kind of getting up his ass, but I found, like, there was a choice where I could have actually let him die, and I chose not to, even though mm-hmm. I just told my boss days before, like, you know what, if I ever have to, I'm just gonna let him die, <laughs> you know, because I didn't, because he was so, such a hindrance on the group, mm-hmm. but, and part of that was because Clem appreciated him, even though he didn't do the best things for her, she still cared about him and saw something good in him, so I did too, by extension. Um, so you're talking about a lot of spots that that's really sort of make you feel bad, but in a good way, in a powerful way. Well, there's way. definitely no, you know, they don't discover a candy store and start eating a bunch of candy, and you know, <laughs> there's not a lot of happy moments in, this, in that sense, but it's not a depressing game either. I don't, you know, okay. I didn't find myself... You know, oh, what's my life about? You know, uh-huh. uh, after I was playing it, it's just it's just deep and it's real, and and it it's depressing in the sense that you are in a zombie apocalypse, and that's just what's going on. So, uh, you really connect with what that scenario would be like. Do you think the? I know you said pretty much everyone probably sees the same ending, but that they will have a different path to get there. Do you think that those paths are meaningful enough that you will? go back and, you know, play and make a bunch of different choices to see what um, happens? I might a little bit. And when I was playing it, I was like, oh, I'm totally going to do it. I'm going to play like five times to see what happens. But mm-hmm. I've kind of learned now that I think the ending will be the same. And like mm-hmm. a, a major decision I made uh, in the very beginning of episode five that changed the way that my character interacts with the world as a whole for that whole episode I realize that I think from what I've read and what I've experienced, I don't, if I didn't make that choice, I don't, I think the same end would happen, but okay. I would have just done things differently. And so that isn't a choice that I care to see again, because it's not really relevant. But mm-hmm. that very first decision that I told you about where it was Duck or the farmhand, mm-hmm. well, that Duck thing, him as a character, and then just that whole family carries on throughout all the episodes. And if I didn't save Duck, I constantly wonder what would happen to his parents well, how okay. would that have been different? Maybe the same things would have happened, but but it would have happened much sooner. Like, would it have happened in a different location? And then how would have the farmhand, and um, he's actually the son of Herschel, who was a character from the show in the comics, and how would that have affected anything? Although I can't see that character coming with us because they still keep it true to the series, where even though we're on Herschel's farm, obviously we're not there when Rick Grimes and the other characters from the actual comic get there so we probably would have left them behind so it's just you know how would a duck's death affected that and Mm so the the decisions that interest me most are the ones that happen very early on and how that because the the whole butterfly effect is Mm -hmm. very apparent and stretches throughout all five episodes it is masterfully orchestrated this whole interweaving uh situation Mm -hmm. but like like i said though the ones that happen right at the end i don't really care gotcha Um, um, now I know that they have announced some Walking Dead game for the Wii U. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it made by Telltale? No. Uh, um, so does that automatically sort of, you know, make you I not am, very excited to I'm completely check it out? tainted by my opinion of that game. Um, actually that's kind of a joke and kind of not because there was that trailer that was released, which wasn't really a trailer. Like someone cut it out of footage, but it wasn't a true trailer and the game was not looking very hot. Mm-hmm. So I'm very skeptical of this game in general. Though, uh, before its announcement, I would have loved to see it. Mm-hmm. And now that I've played this game, which really focuses on uh, the characters, characters so much, that I realize I don't want a Walking Dead game where I'm just bashing zombies' brains in. That's not the point. 
You right. Know, I could play Call of Duty's, you know, the zombie edition or whatever the heck that was, mm-hmm. that, that mod or whatever, if I wanted that. Or I could play Left 4 Dead 2 again. So I don't really need to see that, but if they do it in a way that still makes characters relevant, in the same way that Telltale's Walking Dead does, then I would be much more interested to see that. And actually, I was talking about this with my brother-in-law last night, and he mentioned that he's always wanted to see, like, a Grand Theft Auto-style game, but with The Walking Dead. And it wouldn't be about, you know, hitting up hoes and stuff like that, and and doing, like, mob crime, but that same kind of third-person perspective, roaming a city that's been infiltrated by zombies, and and there's just random packs, and you just kind of go wherever you want, and you have to do missions to kind of help people or to get out or that kind of thing. Like, I could totally see that as being like, maybe there's a city that's walled off by the government, and mm-hmm. you have to try to find your way out while also surviving, which would be pretty cool. Yeah. Um, That kind of game I would rather see now over a first-person shooter, right. first-person attacker, or whatever, whatever this upcoming game is. Mm-hmm. So we'll, Understandable. You know, we'll see. Um, gotcha. I... I haven't reviewed it on Negative World because we don't have it in the system because it's not a Nintendo game, but easily, mm-hmm. without a doubt, 10 out of 10. Cool. I, I give that full marks. It's got glitches. It's not perfect. On my computer, you know, the load screen kind of... Like, I've died a few times because the loading has been... You know, pauses the game, and which is really creepy when it pauses it, and then you can just hear the, the audio still loops, so you just hear zombies, like, at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's very haunting, but it's got some technical flaws, but the game is so masterfully told and implemented that it's an easy 10 out of 10. Sure. But, uh, well, that's cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. And I guess I talked a lot about it, uh, more than I even <laughs> meant to, but the last game that I played and we'll get through this real quick. This is also on a whim was Sonic and all stars racing transformed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, my two, two days ago on Friday, my nephew, or actually, no, it was Thursday, Thursday night. My nephew came over and we had him sleep over here for a few nights and my sister decided to Redbox um, that game on the Xbox for him. And so he was playing it, and I was playing The Walking Dead. And he asked mm-hmm. for my help. And so I went in there to look. And I was like, I've never played this, but let me see what I can do. And I helped him with it. And it was kind of fun. I was like, this is kind of nice. It looks nice on, on the HD screen and everything. Mm-hmm. And then I started looking into it a little bit. Uh, and I just, I had heard things from, like, Nintendo World Report. They had talked about it. I've heard people on the forums discuss it and it was just one of those games that I didn't look into because the first one was kind of not that great and I did have experience with that and mm. it just you know when I was when the Wii U launched I just had my mind on certain other games and so I'm really glad that I bought this though and uh, I actually got it for like only 17 bucks because a deal at Target with my 3DS got me a $25 gift card so I used that right away on that game so that was totally uh, oh wow a really nice way to work my deals in you know my desires mm-hmm. um so yeah, so I'm loving the game right now. It's pretty much Sega franchises mixed with Diddy Kong Racing kind of ideas mixed with HD visuals, which okay. really is a good mix. I mean, I, I don't care about anyone but Sonic, more or less, and mm-hmm. Super Monkey Ball. Those two franchises I do care about and I like, but I still find myself really enjoying the, the Golden Axe level and stuff that I've never really experienced elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And um, there's what's, what's cool about this game versus Mario Kart is that it's got a lot of different challenges. So there's, okay. there's your normal racing, but then there's versus challenges where you just kind of have to, after 60 seconds, be ahead of the other player. And and if you get too far ahead of them, then it just kind of cuts to the next one. But you have to kind of like do that for three people in a single race. There's ring okay. challenges where you have to go through certain rings, and those tend to be, so far, they've only been aerial, because you can do boat, aerial, or uh, or cart, or whatever, kind of like in Mario Kart 7. Mm-hmm. And um, there's traffic, which is you just drive really fast through a course, but there's like 
cars more or less that are trying to either block you or just naturally just in your way. Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of get to checkpoints. And, and then there's also one called Battle that I experienced last night, which was pretty interesting. And I hope there's a lot of this. It's a versus race where you knock people out by hitting them with enough items. So it's like balloon battle meets an actual race. Okay. And that's pretty cool. Because so, wait, so <clears throat> what is, um, uh, so wait, so what is the like win condition then? The win condition is to knock everyone else out. Okay, but so then why do you, why do you want to drive at all? You know, like what is, well, I mean, one, like balloon battles, you're just, you're just driving around sort of at each other. Well, think about it this way. You can't sit around and just aim at someone. Like in balloon battle, mm-hmm. you can kind of maybe get to a good vantage point with some red shells and wait for someone to come by. Or you can you can keep going back to your little hole that you've got for yourself or whatever. This you, okay. you're constantly having to move forward, and so you might shoot somebody and then they'll spin out, but now they're behind you, and they can totally have a much better shot on you, because mm-hmm. um, you can't. I mean, you could stop, I guess, altogether and just hit the brakes, but then you can't shoot anyone because they're way ahead of you. So it forces you to okay. stick with the pack and constantly dogfight it out, even if you're driving or on a boat. And so it's it's pretty it's pretty fascinating. Mm. Of a concept, okay. and uh, and so I've really enjoyed that. And, um, you know, I've been unlocking things, levels, characters, and stuff like that. Um, there is two really weird racers, though. One of them was unlocked from the get-go, and that is uh, Wrecked Ralph. You're right, right. Which I've actually found myself using a lot for some reason. Mm-hmm. I guess I really did like the movie, so maybe that's why. But yeah. I guess because there's some Sonic or Sega characters and stuff in that movie that it was kind of just a, a tie-in mm-hmm. that they wanted to do, but it doesn't really make any sense. Um, sure. And then Danica Patrick is an unlockable, and mm. I mean I'm not spoiling anything because she's the least interesting unlockable there is. But, yeah. Um, and I guess that's because maybe her NASCAR car had some sort of promotional thing. Um, mm. I mean I'll probably use her just to build her levels up, just like I want to do with every character. But um, that seems really random. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, um, anyway, oh. I'm curious about the uh, sort of the balance of the different items because that's always i think sort of a hot button issue in mario kart is you know how unfair or fair the blue shell is uh versus other items and you know getting them at different times in the race and how you can use them strategically and which ones are sort of luck based and that kind of thing so absolutely how does this franchise handle that well here i'm gonna i'm gonna just give sega like a thousand hundred thousand more sales right here there's no okay. blue shell. So, bam, buy it. <laughs> um, but, you know, I did notice a few in- interesting things with that. Um, for one, the weapons themselves are not related to any sort of game that's represented in the, in, in this game. So there is no, uh, yeah. you know, no no Chaos Emeralds for Sonic to, to use and go crazy with or anything. There's no, um, I don't even know, like, spikes that you can throw out there. Huge from... katana from... Shinobi. There you go. Yeah, there's nothing like that. There's like a puffer fish, which is kind of like a mine. There's snowballs that you can shoot forward or backwards. And if you shoot all three at the same time and they hit, then they'll freeze a person. Um, So there's a lot of just random items. There's a hornet's swarm that actually, if if you drop behind you, it's kind of like various a bunch of flying mines. Mm. And uh, and if you shoot it forward, then they'll race ahead of everyone else, and then they'll kind of plant themselves on the on the on the map or the track. And okay. you have to dodge those. I thought at first they were part of the levels, but they're actually a weapon. Mm-hmm. So there's some random stuff that makes no sense, but I kind of like it like that. It just, it makes this, it adds the charm of the game itself as opposed to being fan service. 
And as sure. someone who doesn't care about these other franchises, like I, maybe I should, I'm glad that I'm not, you know, confused by what the hell is, uh, you know, what, what's this katana mean? You know, yeah. they, don't, they don't have to have a meaning or some sort of link behind them. They just are. Right. Now, there is a, if you race really well, then then you get, you don't get this normally, but if you race really well, you get a star. And the game's like, oh, you know, Wreck-It Ralph's gone all-star, or whatever, whenever you use it. Okay. And I guess that it ties into the name of the game, the All-Stars Racing thing. And that sure. is essentially like like a star would be in Mario Kart, except you turn into like a helicopter that moves really fast. And so it doesn't matter what terrain you go over, you just kind of fly like crazy. And okay. what's interesting is that this happened to me when I was in first. Or no, I think it was in second. So it didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to be last to get a good item like that. So what I did is right. I waited. I, I did my best to, to play really well on a track and drift and do all this cool stuff. And I got really close to the first player, but I waited till I was like at the last third of the last uh, lap. And I used a star and that really pushed me forward. So I was able to be in front of them right before the, the you know, finish line. And then I was mm-hmm. able to keep that lead. So it, it, you know, in one way that may seem unfair for like, especially if I was doing a race with other people, but if I played well enough to earn it and then I, I decided to save it, it's, you know, it's kind of a fair, fair thing, you know, and, mm. um, it feels more fair to me anyway than the blue shell ever did. But so what then, uh, like what is there? Cause a lot of these sound like sort of, um, items used to sort of like skirmish with the people right around you other than the star of course but what would you like let's say you get fucked up and you are now you know way behind everyone what do you use to get back you in know, the pack well i'm just so good i haven't really experienced that um <laughs> no i i mean i've definitely been behind um i i haven't noticed yet though i haven't played enough to really tell if certain items do show up more but okay. uh but is there like a speed boost or you know something like that <laughs> i don't know I mean, okay. like I've gotten boost from drift or drafting or whatever, drifting. And mm-hmm. I mean, but I've earned that myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, you built that. Yeah, I built that. I'm, I'm guessing that it is balanced to some degree where, you know, maybe you'll get triple items because occasionally you get an item that is a triple or two, like two boosts instead of one. So maybe when you're behind, you get a little bit more weapons. Mm-hmm. Um, but part of me thinks too that the game, I guess the game has been known to be cheap and I haven't... Uh, seen this yet so much but the rubber banding and that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh is definitely in the game so i th- I feel like maybe it's kind of reversed where it lets up a little bit so i have a okay. chance to come back because okay. i've definitely come back from nothing before it just takes time mm-hmm. like if, if that happens at the last lap of a race you may not be able to succeed unless you're really good with your items from just a driving standpoint but mm-hmm. uh but plus other other enemies are using weapons on each other and that happens quite a bit. Uh, I'll definitely see weapons that fly past me to hit someone else. So it's mm-hmm. not all to pick on me. Sure. And that kind of allows you to, uh, you know, I guess feel like it's evened out. Yeah. Or yeah. something. Uh, are there any franchises that you have been previously unfamiliar with that you kind of are more interested in maybe checking out because of this game? Um, again, I haven't played it enough to see all of what's in the game. There's still tons of characters to unlock and everything. And the Shinobi level that I just played last night for the first time had of course a very Japanese uh old Japanese feel to it and that was really cool. And that made me think, well hey, you know, what's this game got to offer me? And so yeah, I mean the game is definitely garnering interest. Cool. Um, I definitely don't want to watch NASCAR though, no matter how much mm-hmm. Danic Magic's in it. And I really don't want to see any GoDaddy commercials. Nope. Um not, not. I kinda despise them. But Yep. yep. <sighs> but yeah, so it's been really fun and I'm glad that now that the Walking Dead's over, 
I have a little more time to play something like this. Um, yeah, but this is also a good game to play after The Walking Dead. Oh, yeah, it's, like it's a good, good un- unwinding game. Yeah. You know? I could give two shits what happens to Shadow the Hedgehog or whatever, <laughs> or Metal Sonic or whatever characters are in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so I would recommend people go get it. Um, cool. It's been you know promoted on the website a little bit, and I did bump the thread uh, for the discussion, which it didn't get a lot of discussion in that thread, but I encourage others to get the game and to talk about it. Neato. So, this was an incredibly long now playing, um, That's, yep. which I, I like, though. I'm glad we had a lot to say. Mm-hmm. Let's take a quick break, and then we will uh, jump into some Nintendo Direct discussion. Okay. Listeners, we are going to jump into our Nintendo Direct Valentine's Edition, um, hey. which was kind of sweet. Nintendo loves us that much that they're going to yep. release a Nintendo Direct on Valentine's Day. It was very romantic. It was. It was. I wish uh, Iwata showed a little more skin, though. Mm. I mean, come on. <laughs> if we're supposed to have a little romantic interest between us and them, I think uh, a little could have gone a long way. I don't know. The Luigi hat was pretty hot. <laughs> That's true. He is a stylish mother effer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that said, uh, this isn't uh, a Wada fashion savvy style sense. Though so I was a little surprised he kept it on the whole time. Eh, it, was, it was dedication. Yeah, well, it's the year of Luigi, and uh, that's a very, you know what, I wasn't going to talk about that at first, but I think we should. Um, mm-hmm. That was a major thing about the Nintendo Direct was the year of Luigi. Yes, and possibly my favorite Nintendo character. Really? Yep. Oh, wow. Always been a Luigi guy. That's cool. Yeah. Um so, do you really, really hate Waluigi, or do you really... Nah, fairly indifferent about Waluigi. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, they are they were kind of grasping at straws, I think, as far as how to theme this, because, like, <laughs> their, their premise was that this is the year of Luigi, because it was, like, 30 years ago that Mario Brothers released, and Luigi's always been forgotten, so we'll do yeah. this, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which, whatever, I don't care, because it, it, it was a definitely nice way to sum up kind of the different games that they have, and it, and it stuck with me, you know, so that's good, that's the point, right? Mm-hmm. I hope that that's not why they delayed Luigi's Mansion or something, you know, that'd be kind of lame. Like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I, well, you never know, like, maybe it could have came out in the fall and they're like, oh, well, how about we just tinker with it and make it better and we'll do a year Luigi, you know. Mm. But, no, uh, not buying it. No, okay, good. Um, happy, happy coincidence. Sure. Best, I think. Uh, so, that was the first thing that really stuck out in the Nintendo Direct for me was the year Luigi as far as uh, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, which is coming in March. And I, when this game was first announced, I was kind of indifferent. I didn't really care because the very first game in the series, the only game in the series so far, 
was fun, but I beat it within like 48 hours of having my GameCube in general. Okay. And then I never played oh. it again. Yeah, I mean, I got home, and I thought I beat it the same day, but it was actually, I looked back at some old, like, stuff online that where I had written that I finished it the uh, the next day. So I beat it, you know, within, probably within 36 hours of having it. Okay. So it was fun, but it was definitely short, and it was not something that stuck with me for a while. So I, I didn't really care. But then I heard that there's going to be multiple mansions, and they're taking it further, and there's 3D, and... I kind of was interested, and every single trailer since, though, and they've had maybe four or five over the couple of years, it looked better and better and better. And this last one, honestly, that's what made me pre-order it. Cause oh, it, you pre-ordered it. Yeah, yeah, I went to Amazon and I just pre-ordered it from there. Cool. And, uh, I mean, it wasn't because of the deal that I could get with, you know, the 3DS XL or anything, but the mm-hmm. game just looks so good, and I'm really impressed with just how how it looks graphically. Um and the puzzle solving seems to be really ingenious. Something that was not even in the original as far as what they're doing now. Right. Um, did anything stick out to you? Yeah, well, yeah, like you said, I mean, the puzzle solving, first and foremost, I think it's pretty cool, you know, with the key on the fan and you got to right. blow the fan to make the key fly off. And uh, it looks like at some point you are, you know, carrying buckets of water. Yeah. With the with the vacuum, you know, classic adventure game type stuff. But uh, that's an element that I definitely think uh, should be in a game like this, or or fits in a game like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's definitely pretty cool that they're doing that. But um, and, and I mean, you've played the original, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, you can't even deny that just from looking at these trailers that they are taking Luigi's Mansion as an idea so so much further. Yeah, I think so. Uh, which is good. I mean, it's been 12 years, right? Mm-hmm. So I would hope they would do something. Um, I, you know, I didn't really need to be sold on the game. I think I've said on this podcast before, this and uh, Kid Icarus were the two, you know, definitive reasons why I was like, all right, I have to get 3DS. And it's not necessarily because I was so in love with the first Luigi's Mansion, but like I said, I just love Luigi. Right. So you're predisposed to uh, really exactly. love the hell out of it. Right. So I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to enjoy it because it's him. And, uh, yeah, I think it, it does feel good to support Luigi as a, as a character. Well, sure. He deserves it. He yeah. puts up with it a lot. He's always so scared, but he shows up anyway. And I, I don't know. It is nice to see him develop over the years in general because, I mean, f- face it. I mean, unless someone proves me wrong, it wasn't he essentially just the, Oh, yeah. Way to have a player two disc, you know, color palette yes. change, and and then after the first game, they kind of developed him into, hey, let's make him his own thing, and mm-hmm. and he has been on the back burner for many games, understandably so to some degree, but uh, it is nice to see him doing his own de- adventure and to see him have uh, a greater purpose. Yeah, um, yeah, because I think there is a lot that they can do with mm-hmm. with a character like Luigi, because he is so different than Mario in the sense of, you know, Mario is always always brave and always positive and everything. And, uh, Louis is a little more skittish. So, which is why it's perfect that he's in like a spooky yeah. setting. And I feel like Luigi's more relatable in that sense. Cause I think more often than not, we're more concerned about our actions than we are brave about them. Yeah. Just in human nature. I mean, of course there are some people who are just ridiculously brave to the point of being like stupid almost. But, mm-hmm. uh, I think more often than not in this situation, you wouldn't be running into this house ready to like kick anything's butt, you know. You'd be more a little more skeptical, you know. Yep. Um, so 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like uh, this idea with the uh, the little the, the flashlight. I guess there's some more mechanics with that. I didn't really fully understand this um, dark light thing they were talking about. It's, or I think it's more like a oh, okay. The dark light is the thing that reveals things that are hidden. Sure. Okay. So how is that gonna be used? I didn't get a full sense of. Um. So are you gonna like want to scan every room, like you know, or or is it gonna be you know, there's some. Like at one point, it looked like there was a like an incomplete path, and he right. sort of like shined the light, and then the path showed up. So, do you think it'll be more like that, where the game is sort of hinting at you to use it, or more like the dousing machine in Pokemon, where you just kind of like use it everywhere and hope something shows up? I think it'll probably be a mix of both. Okay. Because I was just looking at the trailer at that point, and yeah, in the path that you're talking about, he's just out of reach of a treasure chest, mm-hmm. and so I guess he uses the dark light and he looks at it and he sucks up like. Almost like dark matter that's kind of masking sure. it. Yeah. Um, and if you think about it, dark matter literally is something that does not absorb light. So you wouldn't be able to see it. So it kind of makes sense that if you suck it up somehow, then it reveals what's, what it's blocking. So, um, and so that, that's an apparent spot. I mean, if I knew about this mechanic and I got to that point, I would think to myself, well, yeah, let's see what we can do about that. But mm-hmm. right before it, there's like a, just a wall in a room. And I'm sure there's a lot of dead-end rooms in this game, but Luigi uses the dark light on the wall, and there's a doorway revealed. So I don't think that would have been nearly as obvious. And I can't imagine it's going to be used, like, in every room or something, because I think that would become frustrating. So I guess time will tell to see how much it's actually utilized. I see. Yeah, because I'm looking at that room again, and there's a lot of other stuff to do in that room. I would not have thought to use that on the wall. Mm. Although it does look like there's something by the wall, like a floor mat or a grate. So that might hint. So as long as they're not as obtuse as Paper Mario Sticker Star with their mm-hmm. hinting, then uh, mm-hmm. I think it'll be pretty cool. All right. And thoughts on this, uh, on this dog chasing mm. thing? Because I'm not so hot on that, I don't think. I don't I don't know. It doesn't excite me, that's for sure. Um, You know, I think... I, I don't quite remember exactly all that was said in the Nintendo Direct about it, but it kind of sounds like Nabbit, the, uh, the rabbit in... Uh, the new Mario for the Wii U, and I, I don't think it'll be something that'll be happening so much that it becomes annoying, and it'll probably just force you to explore certain areas that you didn't realize you could. You know, the dog will go through a wall that you didn't realize you could get through, okay. and you'll you know, find your way through. So it's just a mechanic, and I kind of like that Luigi befriends a, a ghost dog, because one of them, I think, is at least, I, mean, I don't know if there's multiple, which I think there is, but one of them is like kind of a character in itself. Okay. And I think he be- he befriends Luigi, and that's kind of adorable, frankly. Okay. Although, you know, I just realized, too, in the first one, Mario was trapped in there. I wonder if he's trapped again? Or I don't even know why Luigi's in the house, frankly. We don't know. Yeah. Mario's always getting trapped again and again. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, twice. one thing, well, I want to mention really quick, the graphics look incredible. I guess yeah. there's nothing else to say about that, but I'm really impressed with just the integrity of the graphics from a 3DS power standpoint, but also the uh, the 3D effect that's no doubt going to be awesome with it. Yes, I think for a game like this, it'll be very cool. Uh, there was one point where it looked like the boo was like really close to the screen, and mm-hmm. I bet that's going to be pretty neat in 3D. My only concern with that is, you know, when I played uh, Pilot Wings Resort, in the cave areas, when it's dark, you get a lot of ghosting. Oh, okay. And this uh-huh. is a very dark ghosting. game in general, so I wonder... Right. I wonder if this is going to have the same kind of problem. Uh, I hope okay. not. And I hope I that, see what you mean. You know, having been that the system's been out for at least two years now, at least by the time that this game releases, 
that they'll have worked on trying to prevent that. Mm. Maybe there's something they can do on, on a technical end or just with the graphics. But, yeah, I, if I were to guess, I would say it would probably have to come down to just clever graphical use. You yeah. know, we'd have to make sure that if something is going to have the potential for some bad ghosting, that you could just you know throw something bright near it or lighter near it. Something well, like the that. light in general, the lighting's amazing in this game. Mm, yeah, I'm and they mentioned that in the direct that they really focus on that, which makes sense for a game like this. It's yeah. all about the atmosphere, right? Oh yeah, for sure. And uh, I guess one last thing I want to mention that they uh, revealed is that there's going to be online multiplayer. Oh, I know. Yeah, that was a real. That's a real surprise. I mean, because even, there's so many Nintendo games where you're like, you would wish for online multiplayer. Even and, uh, uh, the local multiplayer was a surprise to me, but then to see it was online as well. Yeah, that's something. And all the different instead of like using different toads, which there are always toads in the mm-hmm. Luigi's Mansion games, but it's different colored Luigi's, which is funny <laughs> yeah makes no sense but all right no nope, yeah. doesn't make any sense maybe there's a you know four swords adventure or four, four swords vacuum four vacuum adventure that would uh, be that would be so awesome i would love it if they somehow give a nod to that as an explanation that'd be hilarious like vatty can be a ghost somewhere uh deep in the background or something it'll be vacky vacky there you go oh nice uh... um so, yeah, so I guess we can move on from that uh, mm-hmm. to mention that the other year, the Luigi thing that was pretty prevalent was that they're going to release DLC for the new Super Mario Brothers uh, yes. U, and it's going to be a Luigi-only level pack that's remixing like all 80 levels from the original game, and uh, no, there's no Mario in sight, you can't play him with Mario, which is kind of mm-hmm. nice, because it means that they'll cater it to Luigi's particular controls, mm-hmm. you know? And it's still up in the air whether or not they're fully remixed or just, like, slightly changed. But from the look of it, I think they're going to be fully remixed, Okay. frankly. And I have not played the game, so I couldn't tell from the little clips they showed, you know, if those were recognizable stages or not. And, I mean, I'll look, you know, right now back at it, like, you know, the whole skeleton coaster thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've seen that before, but, um, well, I totally lost my spot. But, uh, and like the, the world map hasn't changed, that's for sure. I don't notice any changes there, but the levels themselves, I don't recognize any sections that are as described in the video. Mm-hmm. And so I think like if, if one level is a minecart level, then, or a, a coaster level, then, you know, it'll be the same in the new game, but it'll be a completely different design. Like this one in particular, I just mentioned that the whole skeleton thing is way different. I mean, it's not even, doesn't even take place in, the, in a green area, like with, grass and stuff like it does now so i have high hopes for uh for how fun this is going to be yeah uh as i said about dark moon i mean i'm interested in anything that stars luigi and i mean i'm sure you're going to get this game regardless oh and yeah now you have even more incentive to do it because by the time you actually get a wii u you'll mm-hmm. this will probably be out now there is some subject of the pricing uh, i liked the thread on the negative world forums about asking you know what your threshold would be so what? How much would you be willing to spend for something like this? Um, twenty sounds ideal. Yeah, that's what but I put. I would pay probably up to thirty. Mm. Although yeah. DLC in general freaks me out. Like, yep, it is weird that I wouldn't have this in the future per se. That I could yep. somehow lose it, which that's again probably like brings that. me back to the twenty dollar point. But Mario is so good, and I bet you these are going to be really great levels. Mm. So I have full, I have full uh, belief that they won't skip on the quality that I will probably still pay up to 30 bucks. 
Now, the other thing that's a little strange to me is that, uh, I mean, the whole new Super Mario Brothers U was like all about, you know, the local multiplayer and the asynchronous stuff with the gamepad. So, like, I don't know. Do you think you'll still be able to, like, maybe you'd play it one person controls Luigi and one person could play on the gamepad and still do, like, the boost mode? Or is this going to be just, like, a purely one person mode well, there's definitely like a, like no challenge mode. there's definitely no indication either way but i would yeah. hope that they would include boost mode into it uh-huh. um i think well you can play the main game with boost mode if you want so uh you know that is tough though you're right cuz yeah it seems like a strange decision for mm-hmm. a game that they were really promoting with the multiplayer angle i i so. i can't see it being hard for them to implement it so frankly i i see them doing that mm-hmm. um we can only hope they didn't release yeah. a, a date that it's going to arrive, but they just said this year for sure. Uh-huh. Which, again, yeah. not to like recap on the last one, but the fact that we're getting like the Wind Waker HD, this, all the game, other 3DS games that were announced and described in this 3D or in this Nintendo Direct, as well as like the Lego game and all the other good stuff for the Wii on the last one, like this will be a good year. I feel very confident yeah. about this year, and I feel very confident that E3 will be also very incredible. Frankly. I hope so. I think they'll have a few more surprises. And if I, people, would, I would think so. And I hope people don't, you know, if, if they don't have as many surprises. I know that E3 is juxtaposed with its competitors as well, with Nintendo's competitors. Mm-hmm. So there is a certain level of, let's kick some ass that you have to have. But right. if they don't have, like, I, I, don't, I don't think anyone should really be able to argue that these two Nintendo Directs should have waited for E3 and then just blown it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. One, I think that certain topics would get looked over because there'd be too much to show at E3. But also, just because that's the convention and that's what we're used to, doesn't mean that this isn't a better way to go. Mm-hmm. Have a few, you know, cool things at E3, but have a couple E3s throughout the year. That yeah. seems better to me, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I guess we'll, we'll have to see how that turns out. And I think that's really the way they're going, where I, I think that, uh, well, possibly all the major video game companies are going to sort of stop treating E3 as like their one time of the mm-hmm. year to get their messages out, uh, which is, I think, a good thing for us. It may not make it so much uh, video game Christmas as it used to be when E3 comes around, but um, I think I think it's fine. Yeah, I mean, Christmas in January and February works great for me. <laughs> and I like that I don't see them coming, so I never spend months and months oh, I know. Spe- like speculating and waiting like I have been for E3. Yeah, it's like, I think that is smart of them. They just kind of like spring them on us. Oh yeah, you don't you don't uh, find yourself with some sort of um, what's the word? I don't know, disdain. I guess for you know when when or I guess just getting grumpy from waiting. You know, mm-hmm. you just if you don't know what's going to happen, you don't get pissed off about it. You don't. There's no way to know if it's been too long since one. Because you yeah. don't really have a scale of what's too long, and uh, and it forces Nintendo to stay on their toes and to continue to bring us fresh, cool content. Yeah. They can't just do it once a year and then be like, okay, for next year we have to just kind of create some shit for next the next time. They yeah. they're starting to almost force themselves to keep on their own toes, which I think is really good of a company to do. Yep. And uh, like I guarantee that Sony, and Microsoft, and a lot of their the developers for that, they're all focusing on okay, well we're building this game, it's going to be cool. Let's make sure we get a really good thing for E3, though, okay? Yeah. And that's all they're focusing on is E3. They have a year to get like an E3 demo going. That's going to be really good. Instead of, I mean, I, I mean that's not a bad thing, but well, I think in response to that though is why we're why Sony is having some announcement on uh, 
on the 20th, which everyone is assuming is PlayStation 4. So Actually, I think they're going to go you know third I mean? party. <laughs> That's going to be their announcement. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even though they just trashed the other two hardware manufacturers in their mm-hmm. Twitter. Well, no, no, no. no. They didn't trash it. They said, oh, look, another Mario game because Sony's going to develop a Mario game. Like, oh, so that's I the, see. It's it's not oh look another Mario. It's oh look another Mario game from Sony. Yay! Yeah. So you're just misreading <laughs> I it. it. I get it. I didn't read it yeah. right. Jeez. <laughs> Way to drop the ball, Joe. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> um. Yeah. So what else? Uh, what um, else caught your eye? Yeah. Well, the last thing that was notable about the year Luigi was the uh, Mario and Luigi for the 3DS. Yes. Pretty cool. I'm uh I'm definitely looking forward to to that as well. I've always been a fan of the series, and yeah. there's been some hot debate on whether or not leaving the sprites behind was good or bad. I think it looks pretty good, and I think that when we see it in 3D and we see it in action, that it's going to look even better. Because yeah. I know Nintendo isn't infallible, but I think they have a really good grasp these days of how to make things look mm. of, of you know, more static. I will say uh, I haven't played the other games in the series. So I'm not, uh, you know, I I don't really, I don't care either way. I probably won't end up playing this game either. Why not? Uh, I don't know. It just focuses uh, on Luigi. Well, he's in there. I don't know. There's just something about the RPG aspect, I guess, that doesn't appeal to me as much. I'm not totally sure. I can't really. Put eh, my fair enough, you know. On it, but, um, but I will say, you know, they did always have that distinct art style, and I don't see that being lost in this game. Oh, I know me it's either. like technically 3d but i think it really you know much like i was talking about with the latent game from what i've seen of these clips it looks like they're just capturing exactly what was the style of the previous games and just bringing it into 3d yeah. so because yeah sometimes you know especially like in the late 90s stuff when everything was going 3d there was all that awkward times when it was like ah, oh, geez you know well actually at the time everyone was just freaking out because it was polygons but in hindsight, it's like, man, that doesn't look anything like what the 2D version. Right, and frankly, because yeah. you know you're given thousands of pixels to do something, but you're only given like X amount of polygons that your processor right. can handle, so right. you can't refine your design to make it look like it should. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I don't. I mean, I don't see any uh, concessions of of art style in those clips. It looks like the exact same thing, just 3D. Yeah, I'm cool with it. Yep. And I look forward to it. I'll play it for the both of us. <laughs> I do think it looks kind of hilarious, the uh, Luigi sleeping on the bottom screen, and you kind of mess with them to make stuff happen. Right. That's pretty amusing. Well, in the third game in the series, uh, Bowser's Inside Story. Oh, that's right. You yeah. You get sucked into Bowser for various parts. Mm-hmm. and uh, Or, yeah, I don't think the whole game takes place. Oh, no, no, I think the whole game does take place in there, doesn't it? I forget. I'm not sure. It's been a long time since I played it, but you definitely control Bowser a lot. And there was even platforming challenges for Bowser and everything. But yeah, you would, you know, at some point you would really need a lot of strength. So, you know, Bowser would walk over to something that he needs to lift. And then Mario and Luigi inside would, like, somehow mess with his muscles to give him extra strength right. and help push. So, yeah, this could be really cool. You know, I, I think it's worth taking this time to mention once again how Nintendo takes a lot of crap for, like, not having very many different IPs and sort of, like, milking Mario. Mm-hmm. But they really, these are, they're entirely different franchises, really. Right. I mean, when I think about, when I think about the Mario and Luigi series, like, and, and then he, even the Paper Mario stuff, in my opinion, like, it's just so separate 
from the platformers. And I don't know. I think a lot of effort goes into making these games feel completely different. Like there's there's, there's an eff- em- emphasis on uh, you know tongue in cheek comedy in some of these that is not present in the Mario platformers. Mm-hmm. And like I, I'm always being told about the writing in Paper Mario, how it's all clever and everything. Yeah, Mario and Luigi is the same way. Yeah, so I think that's a lot of effort that I think gets ignored because people just, you know, just See look Mario at it as another percent. Mario game. Yeah, they yeah. don't really think of it as a separate effort. I'm with you. I feel like it's unwarranted to to uh, to jump to that conclusion just because you see Mario in it. Because Nintendo could very easily have just made other characters for these games. Right. But and I, I, I personally appreciate the connection I feel with Mario in these games, mm-hmm. you know? And that's maybe that's just a per-person basis, but... Well, clearly you're not alone in that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Well, like, you know, Mario Golf, which we'll talk about shortly, I could mm-hmm. care less about golf. I don't care for the sport. I could care less about a golf game, but Mario Golf is one of my favorite games ever. So mm. why is that the case? Well, probably because of that connection I have with Mario being yeah. represented in a golf game, and the that's what got me to to realize that golf games can be fun. Mm. And well, I could get I, I you know I don't care to hit some uh, some golf ball with some generic looking human human character and hit it. Oh, I hit it into the bunker. Okay, well it's much more interesting for me to have Luigi hitting a golf ball into a frickin' uh, sand pit where there might be a frickin' um, pokey, or, you know, or, or like, or a piranha plant, you know, and, like, that interests me so much more. So having that skin and aesthetic mm. makes me appreciate a game I may not have appreciated before. And uh, so in that respect, it works to have these things. And, and it's almost like Mario isn't, you know, everyone says Mario, oh, another Mario game, as if, like, Mario is a character only, but it's these... In, in this sense, it's more like it's a genre. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, Mario games in general. Like, I like adventure games, puzzle games, racing games, and Mario games. <laughs> yeah, And true. it's kind of a fair argument. Because mm-hmm. I, I don't care for fighters, but I love yeah. Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Yeah. And uh, half, if not more of that, is because of the, you know, franchises represented in it. It's much more fun for me to take, uh, I don't know, Pikachu and kick Peach's ass <laughs> than it is to take Chun-Li and... Uh, Blanca or whatever, and like I don't care about these people, mm. you know. I don't. I have no connection to it. And maybe I could have if I sat down with it, but that's just not what happened. And that's I just don't see that art style as being something that matches something in my uh, preference. But I'll tell you. But Pikachu electrocuting Princess Peach is pretty cool. <laughs> Never Which, gets old. No, I mean my girlfriend hates Peach, and so it feels good to uh, to reflect that, you know. My the, wife hates Peach. I feel like a lot of women tend to hate Peach. Yeah, probably. Probably because she's so stereotypically weak and yep. and such, you know. Yep. But uh, so there's a legitimacy to that, and I'm perfectly fine with it. And people who aren't, I mean, they have their own right to do that. But I think they're they often make the mistake of assuming that the game is bad or that it's not like a I worthwhile piece assume of software. It's- you know, franchise to franchise, it's not different enough that if you were to play New Super Mario Brothers U, that you would have no reason to play Mario and Luigi. Mm-hmm. You know, so. and and now this is a little bit more of a milky situation here, cloudy. Uh, like even between New Super Mario Bros. Two and New Super Mario Brothers U, even that is different on some levels. Right. It's yeah. much more; they're much more closer. But people might dismiss one for the other, and I really feel that they should give both a shot. But mm-hmm. I don't know. So moving on, did yeah. you want to say more about the Mario Golf game? Yeah. Oh, geez. Okay. So I was at work and 
I was watching this a little bit late. Like, I just caught the end of it, and I was like, damn it. But then they streamed it, so I watched it as I was doing some work. And when Mario Golf was announced, I literally had to hold back a nerdgasm. I almost <laughs> screamed out at, in my room, because I just was so happy. I've been wanting this game since Toadstool Tour uh, released. And I just have these me- fond memories of uh, the particularly the last section of courses in Total Tour, which was very Mushroom Kingdom themed. And I remember mm-hmm. I got a badass, what was it? I think it was, oh, I'm pretty sure it was, uh, I'd have to look at my, my old cartridge now, but or my old disc, but uh, I got like a hole-in-one, or, or if not that, then maybe it was like a albatross or something. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, that's what it was. It was an albatross on a par 5 in the very last level, and I have such like such a warmth for this series and for those, like, like, like we just talked about, I don't want to see so much the generic forest, you know, golf courses where there's trees and, like, that's cool. I'm fine with that. But I like seeing the creative, you know, uh, thwomp levels where there's giant thwomps in your way and stuff like that. That's cool. Sure. And so I'm really, I've been wanting a sequel that emphasized that. And so far, this looks to be it. And it's going to be in 3D, which mm-hmm. just tickles my fancy like nothing else. And, uh, like, the trailer shows a giant Goomba in the background, and I just remember yeah. bouncing um, golf balls off ba-bombs uh, in, in the past game and stuff like that, which would explode and then cause my ball to go farther. Like, the game's okay. really deep, and they go beyond a traditional golf game because you have a giant ba-bomb, which, you know, can uh, can change how things go. And um, So I, I'm just so geeked. There's not really much else to say about my opinion of it besides that it looks to be incredible. And it's coming out in the summer, so it's not even that far away. It's not even fall. Yeah. Um, which is a great so, surprise. They, this has been in the cooker for a while from Camelot. You know, it must have been. When was the previous Mario Golf installment? Okay. Quite How a long while ago, ago was it? Yeah. Um, I'm going to look it up for you. Um, 2003. Okay. And it was, wow. Yeah, because it was for the GameCube. So it's been 10 years, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, July 29, 2003 in North America. So hopefully Could end up being exactly. Fine. I hope not. I want it to come out sooner. <laughs> but um, I could see it as being a July game though, pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And I'll get to that in a second. But there's a lot of people who wanted the RPG element that was in the the handheld version that we had last, and I never played okay. that. But I could see that being kind of cool, building up your character a little bit and whatnot. But I'd be happy just to have it, just like Toadstool Tour. Mm-hmm. And um, so I don't know. You you don't have an experience with the games. Really nope, hard. no, and that's largely because, as you said, I've never really cared about golf. So you know, I didn't. It it would take a lot of Mario charm. Like I really don't care about golf. It would take a lot of Mario well, charm. To, I uh, don't either. So trust me, I'd, I'd give yeah. it a shot. Well, and this is you know this definitely uh, conversation definitely made me more likely to check it out. Um, you know what? I bet they'll have a demo at some point. I hope so. That'd be kind of nice, like a hole or so, two, you know, with one character, yeah. and. Um, and I will say, as much as this, <clears throat> you know, doesn't have nearly the personality of the Mario franchise, like, I did enjoy the Wii Golf game. Yeah. You know, with the Wii Sports. You know, and that's another point. There's a lot of arguments against why didn't this come out on the Wii U and have those kind of controls. Uh-huh. And, I mean, I'm not going to say those are wrong to, to want, because I'm sure they would turn out really nice. But personally... I don't give two shits. I am so happy with just pressing A, because like, that's really fun to me, the whole timing-based aspect of it. And mm-hmm. I've never been that good at, at the swings on Mario Golf anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, because without like the weight of a real golf club, it's always been kind of weird for me to 
to get my swing right, you know? Okay. And uh, so, yeah, I'm happy to have the more action, arcade type uh, inputs. Gotcha. But, um, but it would be kind of cool to see them do, do one with. You Just know, like Mario Tennis would be cool to do it with Wii U controls. This is, uh, you know, I talked about how it seems like there's a lot of Nintendo games that certainly could have an online option, but sort of don't. This is one that, if it had online where you could play against someone else, I would be probably ten times more likely to pick it up. Because... I don't know. I think that would, you know, I mean, it's it's golf. It is a sport. Well, so if you could have that player versus player competitive aspect, for me, I think that would go a long way in a game like this. That's got to be the most captivating thing I've heard about this game in a while. Because, or this, the, well, I mean, it hasn't been that long since we've known about it. But because of the fact that you're right, the original games had, you know, local multiplayer, because obviously it's mm-hmm. easy to do. With this being the first on a handheld in this sense, in this 3D... I mean, essentially, it's the console version on the handheld. Sure. How do they handle that? And, you know, would it make sense to do it with, like, an online co-op or online multiplayer? And if they did, would you have to sit through while your friend took his turn? And Hmm. that could could be weird, but maybe they could stream exactly what's happening, and it could just be as if you were in the same room as them. Right. Which I I would think would be pretty cool. Yeah, I would be, man, I would, that would really improve my odds of getting this game. And I think, you know, I mean, real golf involves a lot of standing and watching your <laughs> friends right. hit. So why not, you know? I think we, uh. At the very least, they should have like leaderboards with your friends. Right. Because right. that would, that would really inspire me to play too. I mean, again, just like with the sport of golf, I assume a big part of the draw is, you know, so-and-so is at a minus two, and you want to get at a minus three. So right. that could be okay. I think we need to hit Twitter and start Operation Ballfall <laughs> and uh, and try to get this uh, co-op thing or this uh, online okay. implementation uh, put into the game before it's over. All right. First act, change name of operation. No, balls fall from the sky in golf, so it makes total <laughs> sense. Okay. Yeah. I get it. I'm not talking about, like, balls dropping. Oh, okay. All right. My mistake. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It, it rhymes. If it didn't rhyme, I wouldn't have said it. True. But, uh, but yeah, right. so that'll be interesting to see where that goes. I'll be content with the single-player campaign, honestly, which is maybe a little ignorant to say, but I'm just such a fanboy of uh, of the series that I'll be content. Mm-hmm. Um, so please, Camelot, don't pander to me. <laughs> pander to those who, who ask for more. Um but yeah, so moving on to the last thing I want to mention, even though there's still a lot of stuff to discuss, but then um, I know you had some other things you wanted to say, but... Just little things. Animal Crossing finally yeah. has a freaking release date in America. Yep. I almost People want to yell at were... like Oprah about it. <laughs> People were worried. People yeah. were getting concerned. Yeah, and uh, I guess my only concern was waiting till Christmas, which I thought would have been really horrible, but I was pretty convinced it was going to come out in the summer. Mm-hmm. If it's, I said if it was going to come out in early spring, then it's going to be a early summer release, and turns out it is mm-hmm. um and i mean i've probably gushed a billion times on the podcast about it but they released a new trailer and the trailer continues to impress it really looks like they've changed things continually to make it better to refine the gameplay to add gameplay it looks beautiful it's gonna look awesome in 3d i mean i've already seen the trailers mm-hmm. on the 3ds and i mean have you have you looked at the 3ds trailers yeah the whole uh uh, what do they call it? The spinning log deal? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. That was from like, Wild World initially. Sure. But, I mean, that effect is perfect on the 3DS. So. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it's really cool that they that they did that in Wild World. It kind of made sense. It was kind of jarring to go from the original way to that. But 
it it does make a lot of sense, really. Mm-hmm. And now that 3D has been introduced as a as a you know literal implementation, it turns out that kind of was a happy accident because mm-hmm. it really it really bodes well with it. It is like you're on a rolling diorama, mm-hmm. and uh, and yet the world always does feel flat. You sure. know, I, I like I'm looking at a, a pause screen from the YouTube uh, trailer, and it like just with it paused here, it almost looks like you know the girl's gonna fall off the the log at some point, but, you know, in motion, uh-huh. you never feel like uh, distorted or, or kind of jarred. Right. And um, what's your history with Animal Crossing again? Oh, man, this is going to take a while. Um, I've never played one. Okay. Um, please elaborate. <laughs> how, how long did that take? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, ever since they announced this, I have been saying uh, this will probably be the first Animal Crossing game I play. Um, towards the end of... Well, not the Wii's lifespan, but like after the Wii game had been out for a while, mm-hmm. uh, some friends of mine were talking about it, and I was like, "Oh, you know, that sounds really interesting. Like maybe I'd like to get that and play." But I felt at that time that it was already, um, you know, they were kind of like putting the finishing touches on their experience with it, and they probably weren't going to be playing too much longer. Right. So I just sort of said to myself, "Well, I'll just keep an eye out for the next one." So hmm. here's the next one. You know, and that's a really valid and important point to to make, though. And it's I've had this conversation with with Jamie many times, uh, Pogue Squadron. Jamie Pogue. Yeah, and uh, about how games, especially at Negative World, with a community that is kind of close knit, like we can be. Um, I and I know not everyone's close with everyone, but you know, we we go beyond the normal community sometimes. And mm-hmm. so, to when a new game comes out, it's important to try to play that at release because other people yeah. that you know are doing that. And with a game right. like this, you know, everyone has their own different tapering off point. Like, I've never really made it through a whole year of constant play. I've definitely gone uh-huh. back to it. Like, by by a year, I'm, like, playing once every couple days or every week or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe on Saturdays to get the songs from K.K. Slider and... So it's important that when everyone's fresh to what items exist, uh, who and who is your townspeople, and you want to see more, when you really want to soak it in, that's the most important time to play. So really, anyone on the fence should really kind of get it immediately to right. have the best experience. I think it'll be a great sure. game regardless. But uh, you know, what's more fun, waiting till um, or either going to a stranger's town or waiting for like the fruit to come to you somehow? Or is it better to go to your friend's town and trade cherries for apples? You know, because they have a resource that you need and you can go interact with them and such. Mm. Especially on a mass scale. And I know that sounds so lame, but it's like, if you talk about Harvest Moon, the game sounds lame too, but it's really fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I'm just beyond psyched and I uh, pre-ordered it on Amazon right away. And even though normally I would go to the store and just pre-order it so I could get it literally day one. Mm-hmm. Um, but my girlfriend, she is going to have to get it from Amazon as well. And so I said, okay, well, if she can wait, I can wait. So we'll get the game on the same day or whatever. Well, don't they ship it so that you get it when it the day it releases? I haven't bought many games at launch from Amazon, so I don't know for sure if that always happens. But mm-hmm. for Hyrule Historia, that happened. So they, right. they shipped it on a Sunday or something so that way it would get to me by Tuesday when the, when the book released. So mm-hmm. so I think that they might do that. So that, I'm not too too concerned. Yeah. I did, you know what, I got Mario Galaxy 2 this way, and come to think of it, that I think did arrive, not on the Sunday, but like the Monday, mm-hmm. although I think that, yeah, that was a whole cluster because the mailman like forgot to deliver it that day, 
Oh. But so they okay. arrived. I was literally going to go to the post office the next morning, and they they arrived well before their actual route to drop it off to me. Okay. So I was like, oh, that's cool. But um, mm. so I guess I just want to say a few things. Looking at this trailer again, at some of these differences I'm seeing, like in the very beginning, the girl shakes the tree to knock the cherries off. Mm-hmm. And I've never noticed this in pra- uh, past trailers, but the cherries have a different aesthetic to them. Like, one of the three looks more orange. Okay. So I'm wondering if fruits can be more ripe or special mm. fruits, or and that's brand new. Um, mm. The girl, she actually dives and catches a uh, sea slug. So like that's <laughs> so instead of just fishing now, you can go diving for creatures. And uh-huh. um, I've already seen some some websites which have QR codes for different like clothing and patterns, and that's gonna be that's gonna be very important. That's gonna take the whole sharing creative. Uh, designs and stuff to a whole new level. Mm. And I really can't wait to see that 3DS stuff being uh, implemented. So, for the uninitiated like myself, mm-hmm. is it more of a like competition to get the best place versus your friends, or is it like everyone's helping each other? It is. Do you know what I mean? Like, are your friends sort of ha- you know, like happy bystanders that you interact with, or is it really like a cooperative effort to make the best place it is um definitely a bystanders type thing with a cooperative angle like you have the resources to do pretty much everything you want in your own town you can eventually get every item somehow in your town that kind of thing Mm -hmm. but it's more fun when you go to your friend's town you see how they decorated their house or how they've designed their town and you know i kind of could could use one of these and i i haven't experienced that in my game which maybe would you order one for me and and send it to me that kind of thing um you know, patterns can kind of transfer from pe- one person liking this to the next person liking that, and it going so forth. And uh, it, I guess, I don't know how to explain it per se, but it's just well, such is a there community. Anything, is there anything like, for instance, in Pokemon, if you trade with a friend, then that Pokemon will level up faster? So is there anything where, like, if you could get, like, a seed from a friend, it'll grow faster? Or is there any mechanics like that in place, or is it purely just for fun? Just Well, nothing about, like, growing faster, but for instance, every town, at least in the old games, and I'm sure that's the case here, every town starts off with a native fruit. And there's, like, okay. at least six fruits. There could be more. Or at least more varieties, anyway. And so if I have oranges and you have apples... And if I sell an orange in my town, because I'm orange, that'll be 100 bells for each orange. If you sold it, it'd be 500, because your town, that's not the native fruit. Right. So it encourages you to go get other fruits from other people and then start planting trees yourself, because then you'll have apple trees in your orange town, and those apples will be worth more. That's how you can Mm -hmm. make money faster. So there's little benefits like that of going to people's towns and trading. that's basically the same thing. Yeah. You know. Um, And I guess... In this game, you become a mayor, which is a key mm. difference from the past games. Yes, and, people are psyched about that. And I'm pretty sure it was in the Nintendo Direct uh, video that there is a much less grandiose um, debt for your house. Yeah. And so you're not going to spend so much time paying off Tom Nook and him like owning you. It's going to mm. be a, much more about spending money on making the town yours. Mm. And that's why they have... like You've never been able to really choose where bridges were in, in past games, and now you can. You, you could a little bit in City Folk, but it was, a, like I said, it was a very limited experience, and it seems to be much more fleshed out this time around. Mm. And they're really, I mean, they're including the city aspect, they're including, I think uh, there is an island you can go to, but there's, gosh, I'm just looking at the trailer, I'm falling in love with it all over again. 
<laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't know how I sound to other people when I talk about this game and this series, but I'm just in love with this damn game. It's it's so serene, which actually <laughs> was the uh, the name of one of my towns. Uh, or no, uh, shoot, what did I call it? What's the French word for serene? <laughs> oh, plaisant. Serene. I don't know if I pronounced it right, but uh, plaisant. Yeah, I think. Gonna get mad at me. Yeah, probably get mad at me too. But um, I named one of my towns that because that's what this game and series is to me. Like as much as I love The Walking Dead because it was so emotionally gripping, and as much as I love Mario for how fun and challenging it can be, mm. Animal Crossing is more about collecting things and just being creative and sharing things with people and being calm. There's no threat. There's no moon sure. with a face over, you know, your right. town in Animal Crossing ready to crash down into it. And that's okay. Mm. And in life, you know, I feel like most people don't calm the hell down enough. Sure. We're so stressed. I mean, these days, there was a good article I read, which doesn't relate to video games at all, but about, like, how you should let your kids be a little more adventurous because we're so concerned about everything these days that we snuff um, these issues that happen where... You know, climbing the monkey bars, you may not want your kid to do that because it could be dangerous, but you know what? Let them fall down and hurt themselves a little bit. Yeah. I mean, don't put their life at risk, but let them skin their knee. Yeah. Don't worry about, you know, having this precaution, that precaution, because you're weakening their ability to adapt and protect themselves. And so we're always so stressing out about everything from, and kids are stressing about, out about a lot of things too. This yeah. game is the epitome of just taking a chill pill. Yeah. It should be Animal Crossing New Leaf. Take a chill pill. You know? <laughs> And uh, and the music, which is the last thing I've got to say about it, they finally seem to have a whole new soundtrack to this game because the last one they re- reused the Wild World's uh, music, which is incredible music, but this is the kind of game that really does it so well and it's so beautiful and so calming that you want to hear new things constantly. And so to have a game reuse music is a shame because there could be a whole new set of, of music. And you're going to hear the music a lot. Every hour it's going to change, but you're going to hear that hour a lot. Sure. And uh, so it's really great to hear the song that's in the trailer. And I know for a fact that it's got a whole new soundtrack because you can actually listen to it online right mm. now, and I've refused to do so, so not to spoil things for myself. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Whew. Okay, so I've gushed so much about games in general this podcast, but those are the three major things that stuck out to me with this Nintendo Direct. Um, just the Luigi thing in general, but Luigi's Mansion in particular – Mario Golf and Animal Crossing, which are like the two things I've wanted for my 3DS since I got it. I'm getting them both within like two months, probably. So Yeah, and I can see how, I know you were very excited from this Nintendo Direct, and I could see how with those being really key titles for you, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, because, and this might lead into what you wanted to say, but we were talking before the podcast about how, in retrospect, it wasn't that exciting of a Nintendo Direct, at least not compared to the last one. And I think you're right. The day that it aired, I was, like, so geeked and so amped. And I was, like, I texted my girlfriend from work, and I was just like, I gotta tell you about all this cool stuff, whoa! <laughs> right. And now, in retrospect, it was only a few key things that really got me going, but they were early on, and they kind of, just kind of that high kept going. And um, sure. not to say that the other announcements weren't good, but, you know, Zen Pinball 2 for free, at least the one table, I'm not sure how that is. Like, that's cool! I was like, oh, awesome! And I was like, but I don't really care about that that much. Yeah. It felt really good because it was with everything else. Um, you know, release dates here and there and all this other stuff. Uh, it was still a good good Nintendo Direct. And like I said, and like you said, they need to keep doing these things. But um, it's yep. incredible. So you had some other points you wanted to make, though. So please, by all means. Yeah, sure. Um, just smaller things. But, uh, you know, the, the stuff that really caught my eye, obviously Dark Moon, which we talked about. Uh, in addition to that, uh, I think... 
Harmonite is looking better and better all the time. Um, you know, I I enjoy rhythm games. I tried the Bit Trip series, and there was just something about the way that that experience was put together that I just ultimately did not find enjoyable at all. Yeah, Bit Trip <laughs> uh, Runner is the only one that's really caught sure. my attention. Yeah, I've tried and other that ones, but. And that was the one that really I kind of pinned my hopes to and really sort of let me down. But uh, Well, by the so, time this podcast releases, hopefully uh, we'll be playing BitTrip 2. Runner 2, yeah. Runner 2. But um, Harmonite looks like it might be that play style, which I'm not against, which I think looks fun, but it's just in a much more enjoyable package. I mean, it just it looks simpler. It looks easier, to be frank. But that's okay, uh, though, because one of the frustrating things about the Bitchup series is how balls-hard it can be. Yeah, I mean, and that... Like, Harmonite, I want something... I, I, Well, let me just say this, not to derail you, but Harmonite, I had no real understanding or knowledge of until this direct, and mm-hmm. I actually am in, I'm intrigued. I, I like the idea of it, and I like that it, it doesn't look to be super balls-hard. Right. It's still fun. And, and I want to be able to hear the music, and that's the whole point. So to create the yeah. music with my, my actions... Exactly. Uh, ...without and trying just... too hard. It just looks really whimsical. It just looks really fun. It looks like a fun, uh, I don't know what to call it, a romp, a spirited romp. A spirited and that romp, I, think I like be, That will be, I think, a good, uh, much more in line with my taste compared to Bit Trip, which was like, uh, I don't even know. First of all, I mean, the people have joked about how the uh, creator of the series like takes himself too seriously as far as the actual plot that's going on, like, he really thinks he's making statements about humanity or something, but so, a lot of them are sort of lost on people. Is there other um, seri- or games in the series? Uh, from Bitrip or... Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about Harmonite again. Yeah. No, okay. Now what you said made sense. I thought you were talking about Harmonite for a sec. Yeah, no, no, no. Um, yeah, there is a lot of subtext to those Bitrip games that can be lost, especially if you don't yeah. play all of them. And I don't mind making those kind of efforts, but having played them, I just didn't really, I wasn't really feeling it. So, um, anyway, and I know that, you know, it's Harmonite's made by Game Freak. They showed the, the Pokemon stage, and that's cute. I don't really care, even though I am that, all about Pokemon right now. But Well, just like we were talking about with the Mario and how that series influences my interest, mm. um, seeing Pokemon and hearing that, did excite me more than yeah. anything else. Like I was like, oh, that's cool. I'd like to. Not that I would expect that throughout the whole game, but it's like if that's a little bonus, that's kind of nice, you know. Sure. So sure. that shit works. Yeah. So I'm definitely excited about that game. Um, and then, you know, I think just worth mentioning. I think it's cool that a game like Dylan's Rolling Western is getting a sequel mm-hmm. because always my concern with you know these uh, these smaller digital only games is you know for me i enjoy appreciating an entire franchise and i like it when a game's arc goes from you know the first installment to the second to the prequel you know i like all that stuff so it's always kind of sad when i find these interesting uh downloadable games because part of me feels like odds are this is going to be it and i think most of the time that is the case so it's really cool that uh, Dylan's Rolling Western, a game that, honestly, you know, any day now I'm going to get it. I still haven't gotten the first one. I've always been interested in it, and it always looks, you know, looks cool. But I've just, I haven't pulled the trigger for whatever reason. So the fact that it is becoming more of a series uh, makes it all the more enticing to me. And what's funny is, you know, the people drew comparisons to Sonic because it is sort of a mascot, and he does the little spin attack and stuff. 
And I, what I find funny is now with this sequel, it looks like there's all these uh, other characters. Right. And of course, a lot of people sort of uh, criticize the Sonic franchise for, uh, you know, going astray when when all his friends started to get involved. Right, right. Uh, which I never minded. I like Sonic's friends. But and now you've got like is... a squid, a bear, yeah. and an alligator. <laughs> I know. I think I think they look cool. I mean, I don't know, especially that squid thing. Like, how creative is that? A squid in a desert? Come on. So I think that's cool, and I'm excited about just wherever that franchise can go. Well, see, I don't think that, considering Dylan's Willing Western doesn't have such a history, I don't think people should be able to to get as pissed off about new characters like this throwing. Because how do they know that this wasn't something that they wanted to plan from the start? Oh you know yeah. I mean? Oh yeah. Hopefully so. not. And even with Sonic, I mean, Tails was in the second game. And, right. Yeah. So, um, it was one other thing. Oh, uh, like, a criticism I've heard of Dylan's Rolling Western is that it can be a little frustrating because I guess, like, you're trying to manage so many different things at once. Like, I guess, you know, there's really no scene between the tower defense and the action elements. So, sometimes, you know, something can be going on over here. And meanwhile, you're busy over here and it can get a little frustrating. It looks like this game is perhaps ramping that up even more because they mentioned that like there will be trains going through that you have to protect. Mm-hmm. And I just imagine that if the area you're trying to keep safe is now on the move, that's going to just add a whole other layer of anxiety to the equation. So uh, we'll have to see how I deal with that when I eventually play these games. Well, I hope you do because um, I'm not really into tower defense games. And I know that half this game is a tower defense type thing. Yeah. Um, so I have no plans to pick these up. Yeah. Okay. So you are the man on the podcast who's going to have to talk about it. <laughs> All right. No problem. Yeah. Who knows? To... I may even get the next one before the or the first one before the next podcast. Ooh. You should promise that to <laughs> listeners so you hold your teaser. To it. <laughs> teaser. And then I'll let them down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, as if we don't already. Yep. Uh, next thing is uh, you know I've talked about this before, but. Like as much as they talked about Monster Hunter and those two games coming out and how you're going to be able to transfer your character, I just want to hear one more time. Let me just confirm with you, another human being, mm-hmm. there is no online multiplayer in the 3DS game. Is that correct? I don't know. <laughs> okay. uh, that aspect, I didn't pay that much attention to that in the Nintendo Direct, partially because I was working, but also um, I have no interest in the series. Right. Although I did write down that on the 21st, there's going to be a demo because I'd like to still try to see if it's up my up my alley. As I told you before, the last demo for the last game was so abysmal that all right, I did was yeah. die and swim that I just yep. frankly didn't care, and I, it right. really killed my whole appreciation for the series. But I can understand that on a mass scale, it's been very appreciated. So clearly, there's something that I'm missing, hmm. and it might just be a, in the end a personal preference, and that's fine. But sure. I I wouldn't say that it's a bad game ever, even though I don't like it. You know what I mean? And as we talked about, I also had a abysmal experience with the Monster Hunter demo. And I like I thought it was literally one of the worst things I'd ever played. And then I played the actual game for five hundred hours. So Whoa. Yep. I hear my like hundred and thirteen Xenoblade seems like awesome. Yeah. I was uh I may have needed an intervention at some point with Monster Hunter Cry. It was a little ridiculous for a little while there, but I just was having so much fun. Um, wow. But yeah, but I'm not, you know, I don't have a Wii U. 
and maybe I should just hold off until I do and then just get that version. But I would absolutely be getting the 3DS game, but if there's no online multiplayer... Well, that kills the uh, point, right? I mean, the yes. game's always been multiplayer-focused, especially online. Right, right. So and I Japan goes crazy for it. Right, well, and this is another thing where in Japan, you know, I guess if everyone you meet on the streets has right. a 3DS and a copy of Monster Hunter, it's no big deal, but... Yeah, so... You know, though I will say, while driving to my uh, sister's place yesterday, I did somehow manage to street pass two people. Really? Yeah. Like in the car? Mm Mm-hmm. That's so awesome. Yeah, I left my house, and then I went to my sister's for a party, and uh, when I checked my 3DS later, there was two two people on there. That's so cool. When I got home. Yeah, I don't know how that happens sometimes, but it does. And actually, I've street passed (laughs) with the same person while driving before. Really? Somebody's house or something near my neighborhood... I've, I've hit up. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe it could work. But not really. Because, I mean, <laughs> now that I'm playing the game there. Playing I mean, for 30 the, seconds at a time. The 3DS would ideally have way more than just street passing. You know? Yeah. Um, so next on my little list is the fact that they had announced some little price cuts, some little sales for their eShop titles. Mm, I had some notes there, too. Yeah, which I just think is so cool because everyone always is freaking out about Steam and how they can do that. And this is not the very first time there's been a sale on the eShop, correct? Yeah, they've done it, it before. May, it, it might be the second or third. I mean, technically, the balloon fight thing that just happened or is still happening is, sure. is, is a cut, too, you know? Sure. But I think the really important point is quite plainly that Nintendo is actually doing this, which is something that, for whatever reason, people just assumed Nintendo was too too much of a fuddy-duddy company to do something like online sales. And rightfully so, because their retail set titles never really drop ever. That's, like, yeah. There's player's choice, but that's even kind of an old idea these days. And sure. if you wanted to go buy Brawl right now, it'd probably cost the same amount. Yep, and that's unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, like I see that. Maybe I'm being too kind to Nintendo in this regard, but like I see that as being supply and demand, and in that the demand for Nintendo games, first party games, never seems to go down. Like because they make their games to, dare I say, stand the test of time. Like a lot of games, uh, they're cool for a year or two, and then two years later, people are like, eh, why would I want to go back to that? But I think a lot of Nintendo games especially because they usually will do like only one per platform mm-hmm. and it tends to be the one for like that generation. And I don't know. I think they're just always made with such quality that you can sort of treat them less disposably in that sense with the, with the retail price. But that's just my opinion. And that's, well, I mean, that's a good point, but it's, and it's from Nintendo's perspective. It's not from a prospective buyer who got their Wii five years into the console. And it's like, why can't I get, you know, these three hot titles for sure. much less at this point. Haven't they made enough money? Um, you know, I would buy. Th- I want to buy three, but I only have money for two. And they, Isn't you know, it enough, Awada? Isn't it enough? <laughs> and that's you know. So not that that's even a justifiable opinion in a business world, but um, but I mean, but it's an opinion. And, and yeah, and there's also like a depreciation of value from a you know just from a marketing sense. If a game is out for five years, shouldn't the price go down compared yeah. to the other games that are out there? Because like movies. Like right now, I, just the other week, I bought uh, all three seasons of Arrested Development for ten bucks each, and when, they sure weren't that cheap when they first came out. But it's been so long now that it would be kind of insane to charge them at a you know higher price. Which again, maybe that's just a supply and demand issue. But 
Sure. Um, but I even if it even if they were still in high demand, I would say, hey, you know what? The show's been off for the air for six years. Like, why are they still so pricey? Sure. So, but the point is, Stephen, the yes. eShop sales, okay. and I think that's cool. And especially because some of those games, like, man, I almost bought Fractured Soul a little while ago. Uh, I still ultimately probably am at the conclusion that that game is too difficult for me, too frustrating. Um, I actually have a note here that says, what is Fractured Souls? <laughs> so, <laughs> can you okay. tell me really quick, not to divert from the eShop sales topic, but... Well, no, that's fine. Um, so the way this game is played, I'm sure you are familiar with the concept, because I think there's been one or two other games exactly like this. But the idea is you, on a on the dual screen, you've got uh, basically the same character on the top and bottom screen, but different environments. And you sort of, as you're moving through, uh, you can switch between, like one of them becomes sort of ethereal and ghostly, and then the other one is like you're real where you're really at. The tangible one that can actually be like damaged. Right. And so the way that this game works is that uh, so you would like come to a bridge and there'd be sections missing from the bridge and there'd also be you know things you know like let's say like electricity above you so if you jump with one character you have to switch to the intangible one so that you can pass electricity but then become tangible again so you can land on the next section of the bridge so yeah i've played games like this before sure right so stuff like that but i guess it is just really it gets just insanely difficult um well i'm you know looking at a trailer just now it seems hard to really there's so much going on it seems kind of hard to manage yeah even the like tutorial levels look kind of um complex so and i mean what i was watching here has both screens on one little screen on my computer, but to play them on the two big screens on my XL, like to switch back and forth, I can't look at them both at the same time, you know? Right. So, and for me, even if there was like, I, I hate to always be coming back to this, but, you know, I love story. So if there was even a little bit more story, I could probably use that as a, as a nice enough carrot to, you know, keep me going through this potentially insanely difficult game but mm-hmm. from what i can gather there really isn't any story so why would i care <laughs> it's kind of my thing so fair enough yeah but anyway so but that's cool that it is on sale and you know hey if it were two if ever ever got down to two dollars then uh maybe i would just get it so. that's a good price point for you uh two other quick notes uh we Street U mm-hmm. looks really impressive. Have you, because you are entitled to download that for free now, right? And I did, but I haven't tried it. Okay, well you should. And then next podcast, you can tell us about it. Because that, that looks so amazing. I thought, you know, I thought people should do exactly this. And I know that they're, you know, you can look at it on your computer screen, but I think there's something inherently more natural about being able to spin with something like a tablet to look around. And I just think that's going to be so fun. I, I could see myself wasting a bunch of time just like, let's see what this street corner in Seattle looks like. Hmm. There's a fish market. I'm a little concerned about that just because I've uh, I've already done that a lot with Google Maps like a long time ago. So uh, I don't have any urge to, to go investigate the world. However, that said, when I did that last, um, there was a lot less of the world mapped out. So there could be a lot of cool things to discover. And I think seeing it on my big 40-inch screen compared to my 20-inch uh, iMac, that'll definitely be a different experience. 
and having the tablet as well to navigate will be probably easier than the mouse from what I I've seen in the videos. Mm-hmm. So I, I can suspect it would be pretty fun to dabble in, but yeah, between The Walking Dead and the Sonic game, I just haven't had time to uh, try it out. Understandable. So yeah, I'm pretty excited to someday get that. Now, probably by the time I get a Wii U, it will no longer be free. Do we know how much that will cost? They have not said. Probably, honestly, I don't see it more than five, ten bucks. Yeah, that ten bucks if might be actually insane. I don't know. Well, I, like I would pay five. I don't think I'd pay ten. Because I mean, exciting and cool as it sounds, it would ultimately just be a time waster. You know, it's an extension of what's already available for free from Google. So I think that they'd have to price it appropriately enough to just kind of pay for the developing and not look for it to be a profit machine. So hopefully they would keep it at five uh, as, yeah. a, as a max. I would hope so. Uh, and the last thing, they they mentioned the uh, Castlevania game and they finally gave a release date for that. Uh, I would be really excited about this as I do love me some Castlevania. but And the game looks good. Uh, maybe not great, but definitely good. But I can't get past, as I talked about with, you know, ha- enjoying a whole series, like, I do not have a uh, PlayStation 3 or an Xbox, so I cannot play the first game in the Lords of Shadow series. And it looks like I will not be able to play the second game in the Lords of Shadow series, because it is yet another third-party game that seems to, for no good reason, be skipping over the Wii U. So, in my opinion, it's kind of like, if they were going to be making this game, they should have just continued with one of the original series Castlevania plots instead of using this rebooted franchise. Uh, and if you're, or if you're going to reboot it, then you should friggin' put those other games on a Nintendo platform so that gamers like myself can experience the whole thing. So I really don't know if I'm going to end up picking this up is what I'm getting at because I don't know how comfortable I'll be just getting the in-between pull of the story mm-hmm. and not being able to play one and two. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to add besides that. just an unfortunate, you know. Well, I mean, do you think it's even worth it to care so much, I guess, about only getting the middle section of a plot or... Well, yeah, you know? I mean, okay, imagine if, you know, someone said, hey, you got to watch Star Wars and all you watch was Empire Strikes Back. Right, exactly. Yeah. And that's how I feel about it, so, yep. So... I would be yeah, anyway. uh, I would be upset about it, but I mean, the unpleasant solution is to read about it more. Or less, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, the thing is, you know, I'm probably going to get a PlayStation Three someday, but <laughs> which might sound weird saying in 2013, but uh, like I'm waiting for it to be like a hundred dollars or less. Yeah, the and, depreciation, which hopefully they don't think like Nintendo and keep it high, just because. Hey. Then again, the demand's not very high. Oh, then actually, I don't know if that's true. Uh, I mean, even like the Wii right now is a hundred dollars, isn't it? Something like that. It's something crazy. Right. So, but the thing is, like the PS3, I think the cheapest sets still are like two fifty, right? So that's not even close to my price point. So I don't know if it's going to be like five years before a PS3 is available for a hundred dollars or so, but. Yeah, I would rather they just bring them to Wii U. You know, mm-hmm. put put both games on a disc, put some DLC on there, give me another costume. Who cares? Just make it happen. Well, I'm not a, really a Castlevania person, so I can't really uh, agree with that desire. But for the sake of my buddy Joe, I hope they do That's it. Me. Yes. So that was my final thought on an enjoyable Nintendo Direct. That was your last comment? Last well, it's comment not my or... last comment because <laughs> then I wouldn't get anything. 
No. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of other things to discuss about it. Little things here and there, like uh, Lego City Undercover has a March 18th release date. Um, there's some other release dates that you know you can all look up on your own time. <laughs> both of those games look good. Like, I could see myself getting both of those, and I hope they friggin' do well, because it looks like they really put a lot of effort into those games. And when you think about, like, a GTA-type open world with the creativity and freedom of Legos, that is going to be awesome. So I hope it does well. Now, I can't speak on to the interest of the 3DS one, but I definitely believe that there is a high interest with the Wii U one, from what I've heard, so... So hopefully, yeah, it does pay off, you know? I hope so. Or they could just announce it multi-platinum and... Or multi-platinum. Multi-platform and delay the Wii U version until those other versions. Do you think that'd be a good idea? Uh, Actually, Joe, I have some interesting news for you. Ah! <laughs> I think you we kind of had to do that, didn't we? You did it. Yep. Um, but it's actually, I wanted to name the podcast, this episode, I wanted to name it that, but we didn't really talk about it, and really, I don't even want to at this point. Yeah. Unfortunately, Ubisoft is making a stupid-ass decision to cater to somebody. I don't know. Uh, they can have their cake and eat it too, frankly. They don't have to delay a finished version just to release another one. I can't imagine people who own a Wii U and an Xbox, and like if they're just going to get it on... Wii U anyway, why not just get it now? Because I mean, if, if they come out at the same time, I don't see any reason to still get the Xbox version then, you know? It doesn't have the tablet controls, and that's been proven to be part of the gameplay. So, yeah, I don't it know. It makes enough sense. I don't know. But, uh, you got anything else you want to add? Last comment, Joe? No last comment, Joe? I have no last comment. No last comment, okay. So, then I guess with that, we can, uh, head into our conclusion. Um, uh, that wraps up another episode. We'd like you to comment on what you've heard on negativeworld.org, and you just got to find this thread associated with the episode. If you don't want to subscribe, you can, uh, here, I'll do Twitter first. You can go on Twitter at negative underscore world, or you can hit up Facebook and search for negativeworld.org. You see how I swapped that stuff there? I see how you did that. Throwing you the curveball. I don't um, know if I can deal with it. I'm slicing the golf ball to yep. give it some, some angle. It's anyway. Now I feel like kind of getting total tour out. <laughs> I did, I did in the past year, but uh, actually, I'm more concerned with getting a a meal. I'm pretty hungry right now, so meals are good. Yep, and then I'll uh, and so I'm gonna eat and eat and eat and eat, and then I'll be back to do another episode with you soon. In, cool. Uh, in a couple weeks. So Let's thanks for it. thanks for being here for this one, being my partner in crime and all. Thank and, you, uh, sir. And I encourage everyone out there to join us. I know we don't always have guests, but we we try to. So show us your interest. Show us, you know, who wants to be on and who wants to talk about something. You know, we're we're very open to uh, suggestions and, and to guests. So yep. we'll see you soon. All right, later. Until next time. Bye bye. Actually, I think that sounds kind of like Sonic music, which is why it's in my head, because we were talking about Sonic.
Wah, 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 wah,